love music, live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio. And thank you for joining us for another Talking Football for this Wednesday evening. We're halfway through the week. And uh, with me tonight, that means Ali Graham. And we'll be talking about a number of different things. But first of all, let me remind you, you can listen to us on DAB Digital Radio. Online at rocksportradio.co.uk via your smartphone and smart speaker using the TuneIn and the Radiogram apps. And of course, you can watch the show live uh, across the globe on Facebook, on Twitter and on Periscope. I must try and get this YouTube situation sorted. It's been for What's months. What's the problem? For months. What happened was the stream was left running one night and what happened was then all the music goes on to YouTube right. and then you get copyright infringement warnings which don't actually apply to us right. because we have music licences and we pay performing rights society, public performance licenses and mechanical copyright protection society licenses. So we pay all the, the appropriate licenses because mm-hmm. we've had it before in a more minor scale and I've replied to YouTube and just said, look, we're an Ofcom licensed radio station. We have these licenses and we do pay royalties. And they've come back and said, that's fine. Um, sadly with this, because there was about 16 hours worth of music, <laughs> It all just got kind of daft, and I, I now need to take action to, to remedy it and, and get it all sorted. Yeah. Don't really know much of that. Well, that was five minutes of our life. We're never going to get back again, Absolutely. isn't it? Oh, God, that was horrible. Sweetening that, the Bates tune coming out in the background. Remind me of Shug now. Oh, I know. Because he does that at the drop of a hat for everything. What? Oh, does he? Oh, God. Yeah. I'm yeah. turning into Shug. Am I turning into Shug? No, yeah. Please tell me you're not. <laughs> Please tell me you're not. Not at uh, all. Listen, want to talk about the internationals. We haven't had your view since we last saw you. Yeah. Uh, we get beaten 2-1 by Russia and we get gubbed 4 nothing uh, by Belgium who took the foot off the gas in the second half. And I think Mr Martinez had did a word with his good lady and she had said, look, Roberto, my pal, uh, you want to be uh, getting your tea when you get in tonight? And you don't humiliate my country. Well, so uh, I think that was the the message and it saved us from what I can only describe as a tonking. First of all, I, I didn't see the game live in the, the Russian game. I was at a, I told you it was at a wedding, my young cousin's wedding. So I didn't see it, but I was on my phone and getting a row every two minutes looking at the phone, you know, put that away, put that away. Um, and seeing as obviously going in front and I thought, here, yeah, fantastic. But home and watching the highlights and then seeing the goals that we lost and then sitting in my jammies on Monday night ready for the game all comfy and just the first half hour ball I just honestly what was that <laughs> I mean you can dissect it you can look at it you can these guys are top we've, of their game for we, Scotland we've, and we've done all that I know, mate, and, and yet we still can't make any sense well, of it I mean you know the manager sets the players out and by the way you know the under 21s was the result the other night there for well, under we'll 21s. we'll talk about that yeah. in a wee minute. But the way they've come out and said that they're stuck to a structure, organisation. I was speaking to a friend today, Bal, about the, the Belgian game where number one ranked team in the world and we're high pressing the number one ranked team in the world for the first whistle. It just opens the back door. These teams are ruthless. You watch Man City, what they do. They're quite happy. Dilly-dallying with the ball at the back and then see when they can spring an attack. 
They're away and that De Bruyne is the best in the world at going up and setting up guys like Lukaku to finish. But, but you see, there's, so, there's, there's a common thread. You just mentioned Manchester City and you watch what they do, mm-hmm. right? There's a common thread. Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> yeah, but absolutely, Bill. But I mean, even when you look at the... I mean, I, I don't know what you have said about the, the team selection. I thought McGinn would have started again. I just think sometimes maybe at that level, and I know it's no fashionable, but to hell with fashion now, because it's not getting us anywhere. You know, McGinn could have maybe have just sat, and I know, you know, it takes away maybe part of his game, but have we got somebody that can maybe spoil the play of the opposition of a Kevin De Bruyne? Probably not, but surely he can for the first 45 minutes. Can we get to half-time nil-nil? No, we're 3-0 down after 31 minutes. The first goal is a free kick for us, and 14 seconds later, the ball's in the back of the net. Now, the free kick, O'Donnell and Robertson are back. O'Donnell thinks he can win it off of Mertens. Mertens plays in De Bruyne. He runs up the park. Robertson's left two on one. Now, the manager's no set them out saying, by the way, Stephen, see if the ball breaks to... Don't go. It's a bad mistake for the fullback. A terrible mistake and he should have backed off. At least then... Ali, we lost six goals in two games yeah, and, and, and very few of them were, were hard won. Uh, uh, exactly, exactly. You know, yeah. most of them came from set pieces. Well, the corner, I mean, Mulgrew's just out-muscled. I mean, and then the other one, two against one at the corner, Bill. Two against one. You're under, you don't set your under-14s out like that. You no, set two against two. I know. And they get the cross in and Vermaelen comes in and steals in at the front post. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. I don't believe for a minute Steve Clark's no told them, you know, not to play that way. I think certain players have switched off. And again, it's just so frustrating watching the team that we all want to do well and then we all criticise when it doesn't go right. I mean, it's just a... You know, I, I looked at it as in compared as with Estonia and Lithuania and whoever. And I don't know who we're going to get in this playoff situation. But well, it looks, you, it looks like Bulgaria. Well, and having watched Bulgaria against well, England, Bulgaria will beat us. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. What we have to do, Bill, and I don't know if you've touched on this, but I think like some of the guys maybe say, were, you look at the Russian back four, you look at the goalkeeper, they're, they're mainstays. You look at um, the caps that the Belgian team have got compared to the Scottish team, they're all mainstays. Now, they're, a, they're a, a time, an era in their footballing lives where barring injury, they're all going to play. You know, that's why they're number one. They're playing together all the time. Yet, when we always seem to chop and change, we need to try and find a solution to get decent defenders in from somewhere. Now, no attacking fullbacks. I'm sick of that. See, right now, if it's me and Tierney's fit, I'd play him instead of Robertson at left back. We need a right back to sit, and we just need to be a flat back four. See, this pushing two guys up the park, the goal we lost against mm-hmm. Russia. Nonsense. Stop teams trying to score against us, please, because we're not good enough to go and score two and three goals. But no. So why do we try and do that and then leave the back door open? Well, even if we were good enough to go and score two or three goals, but lose who's <laughs> going to score them? But exactly. We've not got anybody up that top end as well. Me and you spoke about this last Wednesday. We're, we've got a, a barrel load of players that are playing at a decent level in England in midfield. We don't have the same up top and in defence. If it was if they keep it all night, there Jerry Collins came up with a very good point, and he said, "Look at the defenders; they're not defenders. No. What's O'Donnell's strength? Yeah, bombing forward. Yeah. yeah. What's uh, Mulgrew's strength? 
Free kicks in wide areas. Set pieces, that's right. Uh, what's Robertson's strength? Oh, he's he's off because he's got Van Dyke at the back. Of and we don't know enough about Cooper to make a judgment no, on him. But, uh, no, I would give so him a chance. We didn't, no. Yeah, but we didn't have yeah. any defenders no. technically, no. as Jerry said last night. <laughs> where, where are they? I mean, where, where's our big teams? Why are they not bringing these guys through? Mm. I mean, the only defender that's came through has been Tierney at Celtic. We've not got MDLs coming through that we can honestly say, listen, let's just start playing this guy here. You know, but we'd hope for McKenna, didn't we? We'd hope for him. Yeah, he, well, was he's part of the Kazakhstan, I know he is, but he was part of the Kazakhstan thing where yeah. uh, he had a terrible game. So I just I just wish we could find a solid, solid centre-back well, and two solid We'll, we'll maybe come back to the internationals a wee bit later on and speak about the under-21s as well. But first, uh, I want to catch up with somebody uh, who's no stranger to the programme. He actually broke the, the news uh, about Philip uh, Philip Hellander on the the pro the program uh, when he was going to Rangers and of course there's a lot of stuff going on just now about it. let's talk to first of all we we'll speak to uh, Nima Tavari Tavali uh, Nima first of all thank you for coming back on and talking to us tonight um, is it Claudio Marchisio or Marchisio no it's um, in Italian C and H become K so it's uh, so I was uh, right it's Marchisio. Okay. Yeah, it's much so, easier. So, yeah. in, in Italian, tell us whether the because this is another <laughs> one of those. This is another one of those that we spoke about before. Um, that occasionally with Rangers and Celtic, there's a story breaks, and it just doesn't go away. No matter how many claims and counterclaims there are, it just doesn't go away. And this one about Marquisio seems to be one of those. One minute, he's not interested in coming to Scotland. The next minute, Rangers are talking to him. The minute after that, some other team somewhere else is making an offer for him. And then you read that he absolutely idolises Steven Gerrard. Uh, <laughs> you can understand why most of us, including myself here in Scotland, are totally bemused and confused by if there is any legs in this whole thing. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to remember that Marquisio, he, he's a free transfer. He's, he's an unattached player. He can sign for, uh, he, you know, he'll, he can come on a, on a free transfer um, after, after the Russian experience didn't exactly go as, 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 it was, as was planned. Um, but uh, as far as, I, I mean, I know that he, he, is, he is pondering what to do next because you know, the, this this will probably be uh, the will, will almost likely be the last contract he signed professionally in his career. So I think he's he's, he's weighing things um, very carefully. Um, he's not. Uh, there is, uh, as far as Rangers go, uh, I know that there is an interest from Rangers in Marquisio uh, in signing him. That I do know. That, that I've had confirmed. That there is an interest, and that there, there has actually they've all, they've contacted uh, his 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 people, his agents. Uh, to to see if there's an interest, and, and you've had you've had con you, Nima, you've had confirmation of that. Yeah, I've had it confirmed that Rangers are interested. In uh, that and and have you have you had con have you had confirmation from what you would call a reliable source? Yeah, I mean the, the thing is, but that's what I was going to say. Um, it, it, it is. I, I know. I, I do believe that Rangers are interested, and I do believe the Rangers have contacted him. But I've had and, and his people. But I, I, I don't think the as, as far. I don't have it confirmed that it's gone much further than that, because you have to remember Monaco. Uh, Porto, there's a lot of clubs out there that Marquisio is interested in and has been interested in him, uh, and I think uh, and Rangers is also. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't see Rangers as being the the favourites to signing him, 
Um, what you said about Steven Gerrard is, is true. Steven Gerrard is incredibly respected in Italy by everyone, not just Marchisio, for, for what he did at Liverpool for, throughout his entire career. Um, and, and, and I think that is what kind of speaks more to it, uh, to, to kind of get to know Gerrard a, more, a little bit better. Um, but uh, the, the, the formal negotiations have not really begun, as far as I'm aware. I know that there's an interest from Rangers. Uh, they would like to snap him up because he's got, a, you know, that's the kind of player that Gerard can can point to. Who, you know, in terms of the, having the having experience, having played for Juventus, having you know the Italian national team, etc. So um, I know there's an interest, but but I'm not I've not had confirmed yet as to how close they are to actually signing him. Is it a case of maybe you know, the, the is it the case of maybe the agents of him you know and him, he's interesting the other teams just putting forward a lot of notification of the other teams as well to get the interest speeded up a wee bit for him. Well, that's that's the game, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that, that's, I mean, that, that's how it works, especially with with players who who are on a free transfer who 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 maybe are a little bit. Um, past their best, um, uh, so so I think there's a little there's an element of that as well. But where he ends up going, I mean, you can remember. I mean, if, if Marquisio wants to, he he could go. He, he could return back to Italy, as, as I'm sure that there are teams in Italy that would that will welcome him. But I think that he's he, as far as I know, he wants to continue this. Um, uh, he wants to play abroad. He doesn't want to return to Italy. Um, uh, I think he wants Juventus to be kind of his last club. Uh, in Italy, uh, so I think uh, it's, from what I know, it's 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 the foreign, the, the non-Italian lead is where I would go now. Where if I could lead to Glasgow, um, it's I, I couldn't tell you right now, uh, but, Nima, I, but I do know that, that Glasgow are interested. Nima, what would he bring to Rangers if Rangers did manage to sign him? What kind of player is he? He's a player I don't know that much about. I have to be honest, I don't watch a lot of Italian or continental football, uh, so I don't know a lot about this player. Just tell me what he would bring to Rangers. When when Marchisio was his, was at his absolute best, that that dream midfield with uh, Andrea Pirlo and Paul Pogba and Arturo Vidal at Juventus, what what he brought was uh, you know the Italian media like kind of dubbed him as as an Italian Iniesta or Xavi even, and that that's the kind of role he had for Juventus for many years. And, and also for the Italian national team, who, whose spine during those years was built around that Juventus side that Conte, Antonio Conte put together. Um, but, but it's not, you know, this isn't 2012-13 anymore. You know, he, he is past, you know, he's had a couple of injuries that have, um, that have kind of stopped him from being at his best. Um, so, but what he would give to the Scottish League is he would, he would get an, an incredibly a hard-working uh, professional. You would get an absolute professional. Um, his technique and vision is, is still is still there. His passing is still great. The the, the, the the tempo maybe isn't quite there. The the dynamic runs aren't maybe there. Uh, but but he he brings in a, a world-class experience uh, of having played at the highest level uh, for Juventus um, and and also for Italy. Uh, you know he he, he you know he, let's be let's remember he played he was in that Italy team that went to the European Championship final in 2012. Um, he 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 was with Juventus who were, you know he played with Juventus his entire career for 13 years from from the youth team all the way up to. Um, you know, up to the senior team, and barring one year on loan at Empoli, so um, this is a guy who's 
played, you know, he, he's played at the highest levels. Um, and uh, he, uh, I, I think what he would, you know, what he, I think what Steven Gerrard is looking for is maybe someone to, to kind of show, to lead to, to to lead by experience and uh, uh, and Marquisio for sure has has loads of experience. Well, Bill, I've actually done a wee bit of digging here, and I hope you're going to be impressed with this. If I'm right in saying this, it's seven Scudettos. He's got four Copa Italias. He's got, uh, won a Serie B championship, and he's got three Super Cups. I don't How was that? Was that I, good? I don't even. <laughs> I don't. I don't even want to think what a Scudetto might be. <laughs> Am I right in saying that? Yeah, scudetto is uh, is, the, is the Italian word for a league championship. Oh. In our house, so, a scudetto yeah. means something totally different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid but to ask. That, that don't, please don't. That, that tells you. That tells you. That tells you. Obviously, the guys get quality. <laughs> I wish I was sitting in scudetto in a new hotel. It's boiling in here. <laughs> Oh that was that was my days from watching uh, the the Italian the Italian football on Channel Four all the days ago all the years ago, Bill. Well, well, I'll tell you a funny story. And it was fantastic. This can is, tell you fantastic. This is a funny story, and I and uh, I you would think that I would be a big fan of continental football, living in the southern Mediterranean for as long as I did. Mm-hmm. And every Sunday, you used to on Rye One, you used to get the Calcio, mm-hmm. which is the you know the Calcio, yeah. which is the football. Uh, and I used to watch yeah. a lot of it. I, I really used to watch a lot of Italian football. But in those days, back in the 70s, you didn't have satellite TV and things like that. So you no option. Um, but I've just never, ever been, you know, I've never been able to get into continental football. It just does nothing for me. So what you're doing 2020, 2019-20 season is just sitting the Calcio now? Yeah, I just sit in the Calcio <laughs> rather than watch the Calcio. <laughs> That's a word for sofa, just in case you don't know. Couchio potato. Yeah, I, got, I got it. I got that. I got that. I'm a couchio potato that. now. But but that just leading back seriously, right? I mean, the guy, the guy, the guy's serious business. He's serious business, you know. But I, 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 yeah. you're right in saying that. You have to go back a few years. He sees, you know, when he went through maybe three or four seasons, scoring quite a few goals as well for Juventus. Yeah. Nima, one final question. Yeah, I mean, you one... have to remember he was a very uh, that, that. I mean, at that Juventus, he was. I mean, uh, that that Conte team, Antonio Conte team. I mean, that was the dream midfield yeah. with Vidal and um, uh, uh, Andrea Pirlo. They they completely dominated uh, Italian football and they went to the Champions League final twice. Uh, he's, he's gone. To, he played in the Champions League final twice. Uh, once with uh, twice with Allegri. The first year after the year uh, that Conte left the very first season he is he I mean he's got bucket loads of quality and experience I don't think if, if he comes to Rangers it would probably be to kind of play in that playmaker's role uh, but but I mean it's, it, as far as I know and that's just me uh, with all respect to everyone else in, in the business who work uh, as far as I know I know I just know that Rangers are interested they've, 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 they've taken initial contact uh, I wouldn't I don't uh, I haven't had confirmed that they're they're in uh, any formal negotiations but uh, Marquise is pondering his options as he knows that this will be his last big contract uh, that he signs in his professional career. Okay, give us a shout if you uh, if you know uh, when you hear anything, for please. Sure. Okay, Nima, always sure, good to talk sure. to you. Thank you. Cheers, Nima. There we go. There we are. Nima Tavali talking to us tonight about uh, uh, Claudio Marquisio. And, uh, well, who knows? He's got the, he's certainly got the, the pedigree, hasn't he? Well, no, I mean absolutely. Yeah, I mean it would. It, it would look. The one thing that Rangers don't have as such is an out-and-out playmaker in midfield. We've we've discussed that and mentioned that before. 
Uh, and that's the one thing that Rangers don't have. Um, now, you know, Neymar was very honest. He has had confirmed that Rangers have got an interest and that have contacted his people. Um, but then again, he reeled off three or four other clubs who yeah. may have done the same thing. But you came up with a very good point. When somebody's a free agent, all of a sudden clubs are like bees round a honeypot. Yeah. I always wa- look at it this way. You see, if there's that many clubs interested in one particular player, he's usually signed by now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If Absolutely. there's a load of clubs. Because yeah. there's always one that is a standout. Yeah. Whether I mean, that's Porto, whether that's Monaco, whether it's Rangers. There's always one that's a standout. So it could well be, like you say, it could be being used as a, yeah. a, a, as a bargaining tool. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what happens at that level, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. It'd be interesting to... Oh. Fantastic. To, uh, having said that, you know, the one thing Rangers are not short on is midfield players. I know. So you've got to then look at, uh, is this someone who would kind of, if you like, switch timing about with, with somebody like Stephen Davis, for example? Because Stephen Davis would be your, your closest thing to an out-and-out playmaker in the Rangers team, wouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I couldn't fathom it. The last selection, all the midfielders in there where he's not going to get room to try and play me, yeah. if you like, you know, yeah. so, especially when he wide men, so, yeah, it was very surprising to me, but I'm like you, a wee, but I don't really know much about, obviously, looking at his pedigree and looking at his stuff, I've not seen Italian football for the past few seasons, but he was there, he's been, he's a, a stalwart, he's been there when they were in Serie B, yeah. so he's one of the guys that's dedicated to his club. Well, the one thing you can say, you can say, uh... <laughs> What's that? <laughs> no. Coachio. <laughs> no, he's asking he's asking you and what a scudetti is. All I can say is Ewan, it needs a couple of things of vanished gold before he can get rid of a scudetti. <laughs> that was James Richardson that told me that one already years ago. When Gaza was there there. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, one of the things one of the things you have got to say though is that you know Nima does have his, his finger on the pulse of Italian football. It's his job, it's mm-hmm. what he does. Uh, he did break the Hollander story. Well, he's right with that. Uh, and he, 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 I, I asked him just so that we could categorically find out that he had had confirmation that Rangers had been in touch. He yep. says that from a good source that he can confirm they've been in touch, but he can't confirm any more than that. So yep. while Rangers have been in touch, you've got to think possibly there's dialogue going on and therefore there may be an opportunity. As I say, if all these other teams are sniffing around, one of them will be a standout. I think, I think Bill, the important thing is here, and you mentioned it as well, and I think he mentioned that it's the Jared factor again, isn't it? If Rangers come yeah. calling with him being at the helm and a player finds out that he's the manager, then I, it's, I, a big, I, it's a big call. Ali, I've got to say, I think that this is a, a huge mm. a huge impact on, on Rangers and Rangers signings is mm. the fact that the Gerard factor. And I know people mm. are going to start getting tired of hearing it, but you cannot escape it. Mm-hmm. It's there. The boy came out the other day and said he idolised Gerard. Mm-hmm. And there are other players. Joe Aribo said... Look, I was I had the chance to go to Celtic, but it was Stephen Gerrard that I chose because I watched him growing up as a kid. I wanted to be Stephen Gerrard. And there's lots of players who will look at Stephen and, Gerrard and the, say, the look... Type, it's the type of same effect as well that Rodgers had when he first came to Celtic. Isn't it? That yeah. attraction to come, the big name, you know, so... Fair play to them if they can get him. That'd be I mean, fantastic as long as he's still... As he be saying, at the same standard. Well, I, I worried exactly. a wee bit when he said about the, the, the injuries thing. Right. The pace thing, yeah. because obviously, you know, the game in Scotland is fast. It's a, mm-hmm. a quick-paced game. 
Yeah. I'm just wondering, I don't know what he's like physically now because of the injuries, mm-hmm. uh, whether he's a guy that's going to put his foot in or whether he's going to kind of be, you know, hanging off tackles and things like that. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. I, it's not a player I know a great deal about. No, I'm I vaguely, I vaguely remember him. Yeah. From his Juventus and his international days, but you know, in the in the midfield that he was part of, he wasn't the standout name. Pirlo was the standout name, <laughs> and he's the one you remember. He's just too busy sitting in his so, his, his, his wine, you know, his wine now in his vineyard. But, but you know what I mean? Absolutely. He's the guy that he's yeah. the guy that you kind of remember and you think about. Yeah. Uh, before we get Peter Grant on, who we'll try and get on in just a minute as our next guest, the Allo manager. Um, let's talk about the under 21s you mentioned them uh, two yeah. games two victories uh, against Croatia which I think is a very good result for them uh, Conor McLennan double gives them a 2-1 victory yeah um, pretty surprised about that but listening to the interviews after it and reading the interviews after it the players were saying the same thing they had a plan the plan was to stay in the game as long as they could they knew that their substitutions a bit of pace um, would come on and hurt them and they scored two late goals, Bill. And, and listen, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you get the win. I mean, if, if they're defended and their back's against the wall, fixed bayonets, all that kind of stuff, and they manage to hold them out, and then they can spring a wee surprise with the last 10 minutes and get the get the points. I mean, Ali, Jerry, fantastic. Jerry made a point last night, and I'd like your comment on it. And the, the point that Jerry made, and I don't know that it wasn't the case, but he said, if I was Steve Clark, I'd be on an aeroplane to go and watch the under-21s. Yeah. Um, uh, and he said, "If the under twenty one should have players that are knocking on the international door at the moment," he said, "That's why England have built the team moving forward. They brought young players in and they gave them the chance." And he said, "We should be doing the same thing. Um, we're reluctant to do that. We've always been reluctant to do it in recent history, but maybe, maybe." this is the time to start looking a bit lower down at the 21s and see who's shining and see if they could do a job better than whoever's doing it just now. Absolutely. And, um, you know, just look, looking at the defenders, and we're seeing young guys coming through. We've not really got them to step up to the plate. We've bummed up Craig Halkett for the last two seasons. He's known the squad. Somebody he might be the guy. that point last He might night. be the guy to fill that. Just that guy well, that stays well, Halkett, and wins things. Halkett's an out-and-out defender. Yeah. Yeah, um, we were, we're yep. having that conversation about mm-hmm. we don't have any defenders. Yep, yep, absolutely. And he, Here's the other thing that we couldn't understand <clears> last <throat> night, and we couldn't understand it when the team was announced on Friday. Why you play Mulgrew, who's a left-footed player on the right side, and Cooper, who's a right-footed player on the left side? Don't know. <laughs> Can't answer that. I, I, I really don't know. I, why you would do that? You know, put players where they're comfortable. You know, playing guys out of position isn't it for me. You play. We, we need to get back, Bill, as I said at the top of the show, we need to get back to having a steady back four. A back four that's rigid and doesn't get in the way and doesn't run away up the park when the ball's at the other side of the park. To, no, leave that to the attacking midfielders. We've got plenty of them. And leave that to a striker. Or let's see if we can get two strikers up there. Because, you know, you can defend for the front if you like, but going back to the, what we said at the start, you can't play against the best team in the world and go and press them high up the park mm. because it leaves gap at the back and if you've got two fullbacks that think I've got a wee chance I might go on the end of this look at the speed of their first goal where they picked the ball up in their own box and they scored a goal for it we can't play against teams like that we can't we must defend I'm not saying don't try and score but you know a free kick to us and we lose a goal 14 seconds later yeah. criminal 
absolute criminal. No, you're absolutely you're absolutely true. It's 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 you know we're given that one. It really is, and it's naive. And I actually did say on Friday that my worry was that we were naive at the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. Somebody like Charlie Mulgrew shouldn't be out muscled. No. For that, for a goal like that, because one of the reasons you've got him there is experience, and experience tells you exactly how you should be doing things and what you should be doing and the, why you should be doing it. Um, and and again, it was very naive. It was a schoolboy error. He let the boy get up ahead of him and just yeah, just muscled him at yeah. the road. Um, Charlie, I don't think Charlie's ever been that type. I mean, Peter really tells me he comes on, but that type of aggressive player. Um, that you'd expect, you know, I think Cooper would probably be more aggressive, McKenna certainly more aggressive, Halkett certainly more aggressive, Charlie has, is good on the ball, he's been a good servant to Celtic to Blackburn, to Scotland you know, he's good at free kicks as you say, he's comfortable, he can make a pass but he had to be aggressive there and he wasn't aggressive and that's how they got their goal. I actually thought his distribution and his passing uh, against Belgium was appalling but it's confidence. I isn't thought it? it was very, yeah, very poor. Maybe it's a bit of confidence. You I know, thought, like... I thought most of the balls he played to people, he made people work for them. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I just thought we got a bit of a chasing bill in midfield. You know, I'm not taking any away from Belgium. They're fantastic, but um, I just think sometimes you don't need to do all the chasing. Just sit mm. back and let them have it and try and let them play through. Yeah, I know they will probably, but come on, if we can get a one 0 defeat, it's a, you get a wee bit of kind of you know kind of bushy a wee bit more mm. than a than a tanking, you know. So, um, you know, I think the disappointing thing for me was how we never got the draw against Russia, and then obviously. You know, belt, belt, but not I'm, expecting I'm just watching this thing that they put up every Wednesday with you, with your face in the I wall. Know, and I know, I'm sorry, I, I, and I know, just stitched me up again. I just think to myself, what, what, that was a what, test, that one. You know, what, what, what is he doing? Thing? Against, what is he doing up against that Aye, wall? Uh, listen, before we get Peter on as well, very quickly, let me just uh, tell you, Glasgow City and Hibs and Champions League action. These are yeah. the, the women's teams, and yeah, and, and oh, I, didn't, great, I didn't think it was a, I think it was a guys team. No, I know that, but I'm just, I'm just making it clear for everybody else. Yeah, what I am saying is that uh, it's great isn't it again to have them in Champions League action both of them absolutely brilliant who are they playing uh, I don't know off the top I'll tell of you it's a Chartanova Moscow women who? and they're winning Chartanova and they're winning 1-0 Glasgow City are winning 1-0 Chartanova Moscow women Chartanova Moscow women Chartanova aye it's a song isn't it is it Oasis sang that one? Like dance, isn't it? Bossa Nova, <laughs> Charta Nova. Do the Charta Nova. And they're winning 1-0 in the 75th minute good oh, good oh. Fantastic. Hibs playing tomorrow or are they playing tonight as well? I think Hibs are uh, I think Hibs are tonight. Are they not no, you? I don't not? know. You've got all the, the No, well I've not you, not at the minute. I'm just looking through to see You like to look at all these things, which yeah. is So I, I, I think they're tonight. I think they're tonight. I'm pretty sure. So Glasgow playing away? Or are they at home? Glasgow in Russia? Are they're in Russia tonight. Yeah. Okay. So what a result that would be. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean yeah. you know, good travellers. You know, remember you say that the Russians weren't any good well, travellers all night. Well, 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 <laughs> Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Russians aren't good travellers, no. but we didn't actually make the journey particularly difficult for them. If you think no, about it, no, that big guy up front. I've, I've seen his. You know, he's a big handful. Well, he's he? he's the top scorer. That's right. And he was the one that they were all saying during the World Cup that oh, he's no. I don't think he's the answer. Zhirkov causing all sorts of problems for every team. Zhirkov. He scored yep. about. He scored about six now in the tournament. <laughs> well, so, there you go. You know, and he does no messing in it. You know, he's a giant, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, he'd make you look like a, well, you know, a midget. No, no, he's good looking to me, but I mean, part for that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I stuck my nose in, but it hurt. I'll tell you that. 
<laughs> but he looks as if he's stuck his nose in the uh, He as does. Well. He does. In fact, I'm not sure that's his nose. <laughs> I think it's you better know he's been moulded at a plasticine <laughs> or something. The state uh, of that. brilliant. Listen, second guest tonight. Oh, a pleasure to have him on uh, because we, we're big fans of Aloha and have been over the last few seasons from the days of Jack Ross, Paul Hartley, uh, and obviously Jim Goodwin. Uh, the latest in this illustrious uh, stream of managers to be at Aloha, uh, Peter Grant. Peter, first of all, thank you for taking the time to come on and talk to us. I know it's it's, I, I know that it's a night off for you because it's Tuesdays and Thursdays for training. Um, but, but, There's no such thing as you know. There's no well, such thing as a night off. But you know, that's an interesting thing because we talked to a lot of junior managers on one of our other programmes called Just the Juniors and I talked to a lot of managers up and down the leagues and the ones who are supposedly managing part-time teams uh, I think it's important everybody realises that being a football manager at whatever level is very much a full-time job. Oh, 100%. I mean, it was one of the reasons I obtained the job, actually, because I do that because I got up in the morning. I've got a ritual I've always had. I go to the gym very early in the morning, and I'm in the ground for probably 9 o'clock, and I still do that now here. So then we don't train till 7 o'clock at night, so it's a long day, <laughs> you know, but... And every day in the afternoon, I can go and see some of the youngsters playing with their reserve games on. You're going to see young talent that's out there. But forbid anything happens to any of your players, you're always aware because we can't carry big squads. So you're always looking to see if there's any talent out there. But if anything does happen, you're aware of the ones that you can go and try and get an opportunity to bring them to your club. So your work never stops. But that's always the same. It's always been the same with coaches and that as well. And you have to be in this job. You have to enjoy it. And I love every minute of it. I've had always had enthusiasm for the game. And this is the closest thing yet to playing. So... Why not work as hard as you possibly can? Peter, it's a natural question. Why Aloha? What attracted you to the club? I think you spoke about it earlier on. I've seen it was the youngsters had always got an opportunity here. and It was something I always looked at. And I believe it or not, I'd seen them a few times last year when I was up doing the, the, the Scotland job. We used to get sort of Saturday afternoon off. So I used to go a couple of times and just watch any game that was going on. And I managed to see Aloha a couple of times last season. And I liked the way they went about their business. I knew Jim, obviously, is a young kid at Celtic. So I used to go and watch some of their games. So I knew the way they played. I didn't really know the chairman at all. I knew he'd get seen as the vice president of the SFA. That was as much as I knew about Mike. But I knew he was very passionate about his club. And the thing, I, when I got the opportunity to speak to him, I thought it was maybe a, to ask me about maybe another young coach or something like that. <laughs> I didn't realise he was talking about myself. You know what I mean? So when he spoke to us about his club, I was surprised. Um, but honoured that he offered us a job. And I said, well, I'll need to speak to my wife because I've only come up with a T-shirt and a pair of jeans put my boy's car off. So I've not been back home since. So that tells you how hard you work. I've not been back down in England since. So I'm, as I say, I think that was attraction's enthusiasm for his club because I didn't know if Mike was brought up now. I didn't know anything about him, as I say. But the fact he was brought up now, and that's his club, and he put so much into the, the community, I think it was something that attracted me, plus the success that the younger guys had. And that was probably the question I had. Why me, a so-called experienced uh, coach you know compared to the youngsters it was and he just felt as if he had to go on a different route on this particular occasion so I'm delighted he chose me Peter Ali Graham how are you doing? Hi Ali how are you pal? Good mate good listen you know I've been to a couple of games as well and just you know watching you for the start of the season a few games you get to know the players you've been working with full time players as Bill had said earlier on there what's been the difference in what likes the enthusiasm you know these guys have for you because obviously they give 110% every week for you well, I think that's the big thing, Ali. I mean, I didn't know, as I said, I've been fortunate enough to work full-time all my career. And I've been very, very fortunate in that respect. These guys are working every morning, you know, going mm-hmm. to work, they're travelling everywhere. 
So you're always thinking, what's it going to be like on a Tuesday or a Thursday? But I can honestly say, my hand in my heart, it's been an eye-opener. I think their enthusiasm for their training and their quality in their training, where they mm. squeeze in. I don't know if it's the fact that they've just got two hours in the week, you know, yeah. on the Tuesday, two hours on the Thursday, but they put so much into it. But I've never asked them, say, well, listen, guys, the tempo's no good enough, or this is no yeah. good enough. I can never say that one bit. And it's surprising because being in full-time, I don't know if it's full-time players. As I said to them, look, if you think about it, Alan, nowadays, Monday is a cool-down day. Yep. Battered on a Monday, because manager always thought you were drinking on a Saturday night. <laughs> so, you used to battle on a Monday. Then the Tuesday was a hard day anyway, football-wise. Wednesday was awful. Thursday was a decent day again. There was more preparation for the game on the Saturday. So, all we are doing is condensing them into two days. So, the, the four hours the boys work, the four hours the full-time guys work, you know, as and such, on yeah. the training pitch. Um, and to be fair, their enthusiasm for it after a long hard day's work. I mean, I, I can't do anything but commend them for the effort and the commitment they put into it. Um, and as I say, I've been pleasantly surprised not just with their efforts but their quality as well. Obviously, when you're watching other teams as well, Peter, where you know you've only got the nights, and we've spoke to a lot of part-time managers on the show here where. You know, you, you put them through their paces on a Tuesday, maybe you get them in an extra night, but the Thursday night, is that a night where you tend to look at set plays, who you're playing against, you know, setting them up properly for the game on the Saturday? Yeah, well, I, probably I'm a little bit different, Alan. Right. Maybe that's through experiences. As I, I work them, I talk about the opposition. Yeah. Um, I must say, and it's no disrespectful, probably 10 minutes maximum, mm -hmm. you know, on a Thursday evening. Because the boys are in there, to, I'm more concerned about what we do. I'll always yeah. respect opposition and say, this is what they maybe do at a set play. If there's something I see different, or if it's just the basic set play, I'll walk through, this is what they do. So there's a wee bit of different movement, this is what they do, look, be aware of this. You know, there'll be 10 minutes on that. Because I always think to myself, mm -hmm. one, trying not to get some of the set plays away, you know, but you have to be aware of them. But the bottom line is, okay, on a Saturday, as I say, I've never lost a game in the, uh, the blackboard, never. So, the game's going to be the learner for you and the respect to that. This is what I'm looking for you. This is situations where I think we can exploit. So we talk about that. I'm more into that. Set plays is a massive part of the game, obviously, nowadays. But yeah. it's more about maybe the intricacies of what the opposition do if they maybe have two or three things maybe that I've seen and I went to watch them. Mm -hmm. They maybe don't pick up on television. It may be somebody holding a flag. Oh, that's a sign for somebody over the ball. <laughs> All the things that yeah, you know, we always used yeah. to do, which you don't see on the television. So that's why I love going to the games. I'm, I'm trying to get to games as much as I possibly can so I can see all these things. So you give that wee bit of information because as you say, you've got less time. If you're at a full-time yeah. club, you can do it any day of the week. I've got to try and smash that in probably in a 10-minute, 15-minute spell yeah. You know, on my training on Thursday, making sure I've got everybody available. But then, come a Thursday, the other thing I can throw up to you, somebody's working back shift. Mm. Somebody's yeah. working overnight somewhere. You know? Mm -hmm. And it could be one of your main players. So you have to be aware that you're going through it then. And it doesn't stop you going through it for the rest of the players, but then you've got to give him that information. So I'll, I can send it by email nowadays, as you do. Well, I get somebody to press the email. I don't know how to work it. <laughs> See, that, that, <laughs> um, so, that could work to your advantage as well, Peter, because obviously you've got to pull a guy into a position where the guy's working back shift. He might think he's playing, and then it keeps everybody uh, on their toes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've tried that. <laughs> I've tried that. You bring somebody in, then he's disappointed he's left. But you try and... You try and improvise as much as you possibly can. And listen, I'm fortunate enough. People always say the footballers are always dumb. You know what I mean? I think because these boys work and they've got to, what to think about their job, you know, they can take information maybe a little bit yeah. better as well. Yeah. Because I think sometimes when you're full-time, you just think about your own job, don't you? you know what you do, I'm a left-winger. As long as I go by him and cross in, that's me mm -hmm. done the job. Mm -hmm. You know, 
These guys, I think, have got a wee bit more nous in the respect of that. They think more about it. They understand it. Don't get me wrong. You'll get a couple that's like myself, you know, just know your job and that's it. I knew where I was. If the manager told mm-hmm. me I was at the edge of the box at a set play against, I knew that was my job. Forget everything else, that's my job. Mm-hmm. So come this Saturday, I'm very much like that myself because I used to hear managers talking to me on Saturday. It wasn't interesting on a Saturday the manager talking to me because he talked to me on a Saturday. All I was thinking about, I hope we win. I hope I play well, yeah. you know, and that is it. Yeah. I know my job I'm on the pitch because if a manager was talking to me, but I was going to one year or the other because we'd worked all week on it. You know, yeah. so why yeah. listen again, rabbit on on a Saturday? But the players, all are interested in is themselves at that particular time. You leave a couple of notes up on the board just so they remember their set places. Everybody does, so you do wee things like that, which is just keeping when they're going to the toilet, they can have a wee look. So I'm not just rabbiting in their ears all the yeah. time. You know, I mean, you just get sit fed up listening. You know what I mean? So, and I think I've got enough players to do that. We'll make errors. I've got to accept that. If they make errors trying to do what I've asked them to do, I have absolutely no problem with that. You yeah. know, the biggest problem is if you don't try the things that we've spoke about, you know, knowing that they can do it, then that's a wee bit I get frustrated. But, as I say, I've been pleasantly surprised and I've loved every minute, you know. But as I say, listen, anybody that likes football, there's nothing better than me on a training pitch and Absolutely. that's never changed for me. See, it's pretty interesting Peter's brought that up, Bill, because, you know, when we were playing, when we were younger, Peter and myself, he was mostly on telly's most Saturday nights because he was at Celtic and I was only on maybe once a month because I float it about all the other clubs, you know. But, <laughs> but it'd, be more diffi- it'd be more difficult for Peter because... You're in the hiding place when you're on the telly. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm going to ask him now because all the clubs have got, they fill them all the games now. So actually, yeah. Peter, becomes a wee bit harder for you maybe to tell a wee white lie about, you know, picking up a big centre-back. Whereas we kind of yes. got away with it a wee bit because the television coverage was in the same. So is that really oh. beneficial to you? No, definitely. And I've got to spend a lot of time on it. As I say, predominantly, that's why I get in. As I say, yeah. I go to the gym in the morning and I'm in the park for about nine o'clock. So I get in the gym about six, half six, 47, every morning. And then I go straight to there. But that's what I can do. Yeah. See, when you're at a full-time club, I, I still done that. But by 9 o'clock, you were starting to go on the training pitch to get organised. Right. I'm not doing that till 7 o'clock at night. Or 6 o'clock at night, you're starting to get the pitch ready for the boys coming in. So I've got all that time. I can go through. I can go reanalyse it. I can go back over it again. So I'm not filling up the boys' heads with motor. So I can look at the things that I can maybe look two or three games. Say, oh, well, I've done that two or three times. So that's something they do use. You know, they maybe do one in one game, but not do it again. But be aware of it. So I, I can take that time to do that. So it gives me that time to do that. And I'm in, probably in a fortunate position at this moment. Time. I don't work for buying my football. Mm-hmm. You know, so some managers have been unfortunate. Maybe they need to go to six o'clock in the morning and come straight to their job at night. Yeah. You know, I've got Paddy Connolly, who's been fantastic for me, a fantastic help he has to me. And I know Paddy goes out to his work early in the morning. He can be turned up at work at eight o'clock, but then shows unbelievable enthusiasm to get to yeah. training, you know, and come and do the job again and not leaving there till 10 o'clock at night. You know, mm-hmm. so I've got to tip my hat to that. You know, and as I say, so I know, so it's up for me then to make sure when they come in that the boys can relax, that they're ready, and we're going to be as organised as we possibly can, and everything's set there for them to do. I don't need to say, right, we need to do this now, I don't need to do this now, and I'm rushing about, and you're not getting the correct information across. So I'm I'm a little bit more fortunate, maybe, in that respect, to doing the part-time, that the fact is I use it as a full-time job. Yeah. Peter, the guys on the show, all of them to a man, and, and myself, we all think that they and have done for the last four or five seasons that the Championship's the most competitive league in Scotland. Uh, a daft question in a way, but I'll ask it anyway. Is it an advantage or a dis- disadvantage that on any given day, any team can beat any other team? No, I think you're 100% right. I've seen all the teams now, and I, it's paper thin between them. You know, there's always quality, you know, Dungeon United, I've got Shankland, 
And I think if you look at any division that's got a goal scorer, mm-hmm. are always a major threat. You know, so goal scorers, are, that's what, <laughs> unfortunately, people say defenders win you the leagues, don't you? But like, the strikers will win you games, 100%. And he can win you games from nothing. You know, we go back to Ali and my time, McCoy's and that. Jesus, we've been nil nil, one nothing McCoy's. Mm-hmm. You know, even I was playing at Celtic, we were playing away at Aberdeen. Rangers were nil nil, we'd won. But nothing each to lay on. Rangers scored the last kick, who scored? Didn't need to ask, McCoy's. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's still the same. You know, you go through the leagues, I look at Clyde in the division, you've got a good Willie, who's a fantastic striker at that level, you know, scores goals. You know, you've had Dobie, scored goals. You've got Shanklin, scores goals. And they're only, they're teams that's going to be there. They're either going to help you survive or they're going to help you win trophies, you know, and, and win leagues. So we know the big guys have spent money, but as I say, I go to every single game expecting to win. I genuinely do that. And, I, and it's just, maybe people look at it strange and think, oh, it's all or part-time, but I genuinely believe that if we play well on the day, we're capable of winning the game. I have got players that's capable of winning me a game. You know, Alan Fountain scoring goals for fun and has scored goals. Liam Buchanan, you create chances for him, you score goals. I've brought young Kevin O'Hara in, but I've been playing him as a centre-forward now because he's always been playing move from right to left because he's got pace, but I see him as a striker. You know, he's created opportunities for the big Robbie Thompson as a different type of striker for those boys. So I've got a good mixture there. You know, so I don't get in fear on anybody. I prepare for everybody we play. As you say, if I'm turning up at Tannadice tomorrow, I'll be walking on my chest out thinking we can go here and win. Mm-hmm. I'm not get my backside scalped because I've got a player there, you know, and I've got a, you look at the bench and I've got a squad that could play in the division, you know, players that could play in the division sitting on the bench. So I understand that. I don't go to any of them and fear them. Absolutely not. I know that on the day we're capable of beating anyone. You mentioned him, so I'm going to have to bring him up. We had Trouts on the show last week and uh, we were talking to him and we, we said to him, he scored the goal and then you get taken off. Do you he know? absolutely slaughtered Peter, didn't he? No, Bill, no, he, he, never, he, never, he never at all. Stop, stop stirring you. You see, Peter, I'm only kidding. Peter, 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 Peter you, you, know, you know Ali, he's, he's never lost that propensity to cause trouble. Well, that's, what, that's what held me back, anyway, Peter, you know that. Anyway, we said to Trouts, did you find out why? He says, no, I never did. So we, Ali said that we'd ask you when you were on. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think he's been outstanding for me. I really do. I think he's been terrific for me. But I felt in certain games, we just let them drift away. We, we lifted the, 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 a growth game we lost to go after 15 minutes. And it was like a testimonial after it. Big Neil Parry never had a save to make in the full game. The yep. growth goalkeeper, not a save to make. We were very tentative. And I just thought, well, that's not going to happen in this particular game. We went 1-0 up. We created a few chances. But I've got Scott Doby on the pitch. Even though I felt we were dominating the game, we'd Scott Dobro on the pitch at that particular time. So we go 1-0 up, Queen of the South go with two up and drop Dobro in behind. Yeah. So I thought, hmm, I'll put Robbo on, put him in with Flanny, so he's in that area where Scott Dobro is, and we'll shield that area. So then drops down, we've got two players there instead of the one, because that's what you probably need to, as I spoke about earlier on, having a goal scorer who's always a massive threat. And that was the reason Alan came off. He'd done his job. I put yeah. Liam Buchanan come on and, and had a fantastic effort. The young boy McCrory had an unbelievable save from him. Um, but that was the reason it was. And I think that's something I've gained over the pieces in the respect that sometimes you'll make decisions and you think, well, years ago probably I wouldn't have made that decision. Yeah. You know, but you have to learn how to win games of football. And that's why I feel that I've got players that can affect every game. You know, and I've got to be aware of that as a, as a manager. I've got to be aware how can I affect the game and help the players. Yeah. So I think maybe that's sometimes when a wee bit of experience comes in because I've had a hell of a lot of games now. 
as a coach at trying to do certain things. So hopefully in some of these occasions, I'll get it wrong. Of course I will, 100%. I will always drive me nuts when I'm taking a goal scorer off anyway. I think it's always important when you've got goal scorers on the pitch. I think it's, but I was fortunate enough I could put Liam Buchanan on as well. So it wasn't as if I, if I was taking a, all my goal scorers off, there's no chance that would have happened. Yeah. You know, as long as I was having a goal scorer on the pitch, I could do that. But it was a tactical decision because of the fact that they put two up and they were going more direct. And I was scared in case nobody just came into that wee area. And thankfully, they worked out well for us. Won the game and kept the clean sheet. Peter, you're on your way to Dens on Saturday. It's either going to be a good time to catch Dundee or a terrible time to catch them. Last league game, local derby, they get thumped by Dundee United and they went out uh, the Camel Waver Cup at the weekend. Uh, so it's either going to be a good time or a bad time. How are you looking at this game? Have you made any, are you looking at it in any different way, bearing in mind the recent results that they've had? Uh, or, or is it just another game taken in the same way? Well, I've, I've seen the. T- I've been at the games, both games live, so I've seen both games. And anybody tells me any different, I know it was six two, and it's very, very different. Not bad think I've been there before. Mm-hmm. I thought Dundee played well. Mm-hmm. You know, I really did. I thought they dominated the second half, thirty-five minutes of the second half. I thought the twenty minutes in the first half where they dominated. First five goals was it, or first six goals were all set plays. And I know James is a wee bit critical with centre-backs, and I said at the time I thought it was a bit unfair because your centre-backs can only do so much. But it's us lazy midfield players who let the second one go, you know, and guys running off when you're fighting for your life. And I thought they were very, very unfortunate in that game. But obviously, there was a couple of changes at the weekend against Elgin. And Elgin are not easy, by the way. I played them in the, the, the cup earlier on yeah. in the season, so I know. Yeah, I was at that game, Peter. Yeah, I was at that game. Yeah, yeah, a difficult opposition. Make it mm-hmm. difficult for you. You know, and they've got guys that can hurt you, so... I knew it wasn't going to be an easy game in any shape or form. But listen, as I said earlier on, when you've got good players, you know, it just takes one moment of magic and everybody gets sparkled again. And that's what happens. You know, you, you go one up in the game, all of a sudden everybody gets brimming with confidence. You know, we, listen, I'm no stupid. <laughs> you have got to go there and say, well, I've got to try and play on it. You know, mm-hmm. there are a couple of bad results. No saying bad performances, but people look at the results and say, oh, well, they've never done this, they've never done that. And I'm not kidding in the respect of I know their performances were better than the results because I was there, you know, and I'd be lying if I said anything different. I know we'll have to play well to win, you know, but I have to make sure you're on the front foot also when there's an opportunity to go in then to try and win the game. But as I say, if they'd won the last five, I'd still be going there expecting yeah. to try and get something from the game. You know? So I'm not going to go with any fear. Yeah. Here's the thing, Peter, as well, and you know, and I know, and you used to go to parks where they're having a bad time. If you can get that first goal, the crowd turn on them and then it's their backs to the wall, they lose confidence, they're not showing for the ball. That's how it works. Absolutely, 100%. And listen, I've been there myself. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. I, I was there probably more times than you, right enough, Peter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know. I can't see on the radio what I used to think my name was. <laughs> you know, but um, I used to think, a good job they never had names in the back, you know? <laughs> uh, but as I say, so I knew the pressure you had to play under. Yeah. We had to turn up every week when we played at Celtic to try and win the game, but not only win the game, but play well. I remember getting booed off one and three nothing at one time. You know, so I've been there I've been there as a, an individual when I'm not having a good time, you know, and you're thinking, yeah. go that wee bit close to that boy so you kinda get the ball and then you're thinking, Well, why am I doing that? Because the next one I get I better make sure it's a good one anyway. It doesn't matter if I get it ten minutes from now now. So you learn through experience to say, Listen, just I've got to take it on the chin. I can only play myself out this and that's what I'm saying, Dundee score one goal and all of a sudden everything's singing and dancing again. So we've got to be aware of that as well. We're not stupid, you know, we can go either way. You're always hoping, as Ali says, you're always hoping that yep. 
you go in front, put a little bit of pressure on them, get the France turn them. You, you always try and do that. Whatever you go, whether you're, that's whether you're Manchester United or whether you're whoever, you know, that's what you try to do. And I'm sure Ali came to Celtic Park, if you saw him score first, Celtic I'm not playing well, score mm-hmm. first and the fans will be on after five minutes, you know. You spoke about Jack Ross earlier on, probably Sunderland and Newcastle have got the worst for it. You, yeah. Two minutes you get there, mm-hmm. and if you get, get a ball away in two minutes, you have no score in two minutes, they're <laughs> right on your case. That's right. You know, so... Yeah. You try, you try and make these things work for you. But you have, I know I've got players that can hurt anyone in the division. I know that. But we have to well be all the players proved against the bros. No one our game or capable of getting beat by anyone. And you spoke about the league. That probably sums up the league for me. You know, people talk about our bros and Aloha. I don't want the excuse of being part-time. Because I know our boys are capable of that. I know our, know our boys could all, all play full-time football. It's maybe no conducive for them in the respect of the money they earn and their own jobs for buy the money to get to Aloha. You know, so it's maybe no conducive for them for the clubs that they would go to would be able to pay them as much money when you combine the two of them together. So there's different reasons why there's not full-time. It doesn't mean they're a part-time footballer. They're a full-time professional footballer in my eyes and that's the way I treat them and that's the way they go about their business and they're more than capable of playing at that level. Peter, just before we let you go, uh, it would be remiss of me not to get some kind of assessment and comment from you on the national team. Is that job, is being the national team coach now a poison chalice? And have we made it a poison chalice for managers? Yeah, I've, I've got difficulty. Stevie Clark's a wonderful coach, manager, whatever you want to call him nowadays. You know, he's worked at the top ends. You know, Alex McLeish was a fantastic success as a manager and a coach in England and in Scotland. So, listen, I think we're a country that's probably delusioned at times, you know, because... As I say in the build-up, I was doing the radio last week in the build-up to the Russia game, and it was just... Oh, I think we've lost Peter. Very, very Hello? surprised. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, yeah. sorry, we've got, we've got you back now, Peter. We missed you for a wee no, minute. Sorry. No, it's no, okay. No problem. I said, uh, I said, talking about the Russian game, and I said to him, you're kidding yourself on if you think Russia, you're going to turn up to Russia and beat Russia. Yeah. Russia are a very, very good side. But the thing that annoyed me more, when we played Kazakhstan, I was walking by one of the press guys, and one of the, the Kazakhstan guys asked him, what do you know about the Kazakhstan players? He went, no, the only thing I know about Kazakhstan is Borat. He thought it was funny. Yeah. 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 You know, but it was disrespectful. And that mm-hmm. was the way they thought Kazakhstan were. You know, and I thought, whoa, where are we? Where do we think we are? Yeah. You know, so I think there's a lot of people with delusional. Stevie should get the utmost support. The players are capable of playing. You've got to find a system to get all the players in because people forget now you're 10 days away from the national team. I showed the other night there, I think some of the boys struggle to play two games in quick succession because of the way they've been brought up in the last few years with all these cool-down days, which their clubs demand from them. Because if they pick up an injury, and people forget this small point, if somebody picks up an injury in a national team and not available for them in the say the other night that they play, then they're not available to play on Saturday in the Premier League. Scotland have to play the wages if they get injured, injured in international duty. They're not talking about three grand a week. Mm-hmm. You know, so some of these guys can't play two games in the bounce because they've been used to having all these cool down days. So if Scotland playing a Thursday as they did, or a Friday, and then you'd expect them to play on a Sunday or a Monday, some of them can't do it because mm. their bodies are not used to it. So you're using some of your good players. We go to Kazakhstan, Ryan Fraser's not available for us. We're going to use Callum Patterson because. You know, we thought it was very important to have that presence up front. We never had that. We couldn't use it because the boys are not allowed to play in AstroTurf. You know? So, there's all simple things to get out. It's not just a matter of these guys going on and battering on about the team's poor at this. 
Why are we poor? John McGinn plays a different way at Aston Villa. They play more into the front. John goes and supports it off the yeah. front and gets the balls back to him. So he's not a playmaker. He's not going to get the ball off the back men and play. And in the, in the international level, you have to go to be handle the ball as a midfield player. You know, where is the playmaker? Scott McTominay doesn't play as a playmaker in Man United. He plays in the middle of the pitch. But he's not the one that goes and says, right, give me the ball, I'll make the passes. You know? So it's very, very difficult if Stevie wants to have that kind of team. You've got to see what players we've got available. And at this moment in time, we've got good players who some of them play different at their football clubs. But Stevie, without a shadow of a doubt, tactically, experience, is as good as any coach on the international scene. And I mean everybody. Because in the knowledge he's got under the Mourinho's, working at Liverpool, the stuff he's worked up at West Brom, the job he done at Kilmarnock, all these. There is nobody better for the job. Absolutely not. You know, and, and he deserves a back, and he deserves a support. He deserves a chance to try and build it and get these these players more together. Stevie will get two days a week training with him. We, we met on a Sunday. And if we were playing on the Thursday, our first full training session with all the players involved would be the Wednesday. Could you Jeez. believe that? Good grief. That's the first yeah. time because of the cool downs they had. They maybe played on the Sunday. They couldn't play, uh, obviously, couldn't train the Monday, couldn't train the Tuesday. So the first session you were getting was a Wednesday. And believe it or not, if you're playing on the Thursday, that first session's at Hamden. And you only get another. <laughs> God. Because UFA, UFA dictate that. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're the manager, you can't come out and say all these things because it becomes an excuse. An excuse, yeah. yeah. It comes an excuse, but it's a fact. And that's why he deserves utmost respect and utmost support because he is the right man for the job to take it forward. And he is a fantastic coach. He's tactically very astute. He understands what it takes to win games at football. And he is 100% the man for the job. But he needs that support and not the ignorance that I think we show at times, as I say, the simple comment in Kazakhstan, which they thought was funny. You know, and I'm sitting there, wow, wow, wow. We don't know what planet we're on here, mm-hmm. you know. And that, that's, as I say, we played Albania. And they realised that there were seven guys played in the Bundesliga every week. Yeah. There was a £50 million pound boy playing at Napoli at right back for them. If I, asked, if I said that to them, they wouldn't even have a clue. Yeah. yeah. They didn't even yeah. give them the respect. That was Albania, by the way. I, th- yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting what you've just said, though, because a lot of us don't understand the kind of things that you've just highlighted yeah. in terms of what you can and can't do with players when you've got them on international duty. And as you say, you can't, when you're involved with it, come out and say these things because people just go, I haven't. So, yeah, very good. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely. In- it's interesting, though, to hear it from you now because I think it kind of changes perspective of the whole international football and scene. Absolutely. Well, listen, I was fortunate enough to be three times involved with the full squad. We met on a Sunday. We were back at our clubs on a Wednesday. That was not a problem for the clubs. The clubs were happy to let the players go. Now you've got 10 days with them. And when they come back on the, the Wednesday or the Thursday, so some of the boys will be arriving back at the clubs today, you know, for the first time, all of a sudden they're going into a Premier League. Let me tell you, half of these managers don't want to be involved in that. See when you see them on the bench, they're delighted. Yeah. They're absolutely delighted. Mm-hmm. You know, because they know they can be available for them on the Saturday in a big Premier League game. That is fact. I've heard that three managers take him off. Did you only play him this? No, sorry. This is his national team. He's the proudest punch. This is it. You know, this is the epitome. Never mind his club. You get picked for your national team is the highest accolade you can get. Bar none. That's why it was such a proud guy being the, the, the assistant manager. It was as high as I could get. I, I, coaching, bloody hell, to be involved with the national team. 
as high as it could get for me. Can I get any higher? And as I say, I was a Celtic supporter all my days. That was my dream to play there. But I knew if I'd done well for Celtic, I had an opportunity to play for Scotland. That was the highest accolade you could possibly get. And that should have never been diminished in any shape or form. Absolutely. And I think it's completely different now because of the restraints that's put on the guys through the clubs, through everything else that goes with it. You know, and Graham Jones got a hell of a lot of stick off um, when we went to, they were talking about him doing an interview about the sports science. He was magnificent. You would not believe the amount of work that kid had to go through because every club is completely different. So every player, we had to know what they trained, what how they trained, what they'd done after training, what they'd done pre-training, after training. So you put gym program, uh, programs, everything together for them. So nothing was different from their club. That was never done before. He put that in place. He went around and visited all the clubs. So the amount of work that guy came in and done, and then for the criticism he got was incredible. The preparation he did to get these, because the players are not treated as a squad, now they're treated as individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's where you have the biggest problem. Because every club is completely different. Interesting. Peter, listen, good luck for the weekend and thank you for taking the time again to talk to us on Talking Football. It's a pleasure, tonight. guys. Anytime. Uh, Mark, great thanks, thanks well. Peter. Thank you very Hope much. Thanks, Cheers, Peter. Cheers. All the best, guys. Bye bye. Uh, Peter Grant there, the Aloha manager, talking to us about his club, Aloha, obviously, uh, who have got off to a good start this season and given us a wee bit of an insight, insight. into the international yeah. scene, which I had no clue about. I had He's no right clue. He's right about the. You, you had a clue about the individuals. Yeah, I knew about that, but what I didn't understand was the UEFA various thing. restrictions with yeah. UEFA and things yeah. like that as yeah. well. Yeah, incredible. You know what? <laughs> Training at Hamden an hour and then you're playing the next night, and that's Crazy. your only session. You know, he was talking about being a part-time manager there, but the part-time manager is if you're a national manager. <laughs> It's less than part-time in terms of the opportunity you've got with your players. Absolutely. You know, I mean... Oh, God. There you go. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll speak to our next guest, who's uh, Chris Geddes, who's Stirling University manager. If you're a fan of Scottish junior football, then Just the Juniors is a must-listen for you here on Rocksport Radio. Nobody brings you more or better coverage of the junior game on radio than Bill Kilgour and John Redmond. Unrivaled knowledge, interviews with the managers, players and people who run junior football in Scotland. Every Friday, 8pm to 9pm, is when you can hear Scotland's flagship junior football show. Make sure you're listening. Just the Juniors, brought to you by Plumbase, the trade's Premier League team. Leave the winter outside with Plumbase's hottest offers in Feel the Heat brochure. Get yours at your local Plumbase branch. At Motorpoint, we put the super into car supermarket. We're here to save the day with a choice of over 7,000 low-mileage, nearly new cars. Find your next car in a flash with our lightning-fast service and same-day drive-away. Plus, with Motorpoint's price pledge, if you find the same car for less, we'll match the price and give you a £50 Amazon voucher. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today, just two minutes from Junction 3 of the M74. T's and C's apply. See website for details. The list of things you need to do gets longer at this time of year, whether that's for the house or in your business. So take one thing off your list right now. Your septic tank could need emptied. Let Grant Henderson Tankers empty your septic tank in the home or work, farm, factory or workshop at very competitive rates. We are septic tank specialists, experienced, safe and dedicated to environmental safety with our own licensed disposal site. 
Find out more at wemovesh.it or call 01698 284 987. Grant Henderson Tankers. Let the experts manage your waste. William, Pamela and Anthony were sold investments by banks and ended up losing money. Luckily, they contacted Goodwin Barrett and were able to claim back a total of £65,500. If you've lost money on an investment sold by a bank, even if you no longer have it or the paperwork, just text GOOD to 6677 to discover how much you could be owed. That's GOOD to 6677. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio. Okay, talking football for this Wednesday night. Do you know one day I'm going to do a wee video of what happens in between with the breaks on and nobody hears what we're talking about? Oh, honestly. See that spaghetti bolognese I had there? It was probably <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> Uh, let's move to our next guest. Chris Geddes, still a university manager. Christopher, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, yourself? Aye, pretty good. Hi, good, Chris. To, good to have you on. Listen, there's a couple aye, of things aye. I want to talk to you about. Uh, obviously, good start to the season for you. Uh, one, two, drawn one. You're unbeaten in your last three. Uh, how are you feeling that things are, are going? Um. No, we, we've been quite, me, me and my assistant Mark Adams, we've been quite uh, happy with the start. Um, I'm sure you know it's such a competitive league this year with the kind of money that's been spent in the league and the quality of players that's been brought in. So considering the quality of opposition we're playing, we're quite happy with the start. Um, so no, it's, it's going okay. Chris, does it always make it difficult for you? And I don't. I, I think we've spoken about this before, and I can't remember what the answer was. But does it make it difficult for you being a university team because players come and go? And is it kind of pressing the reset button every season, or are you fairly lucky that you can hang on to maybe the spine of the team? I um, well, obviously we are. A lot of people get. Get us mixed up. So a lot of people online will say still in uni are weak at the start because they don't have their players. We have all our players. All my players were back on the first of July. Um, so if I've got a foreign player, he has to come back for pre-season on the first of July for two months for football before semester starts. That's a choice they make to join our program. Um, every year is different in terms of losing players to graduation. Um, for instance, our second team this year, they they have three players from last year's squad in this year's team, so they lost about 15, 16 players to graduation. We've been pretty fortunate in the last few years where we've not lost lots, and it all comes down to basically your, you have to plan ahead, so recruitment-wise, you have to think, so for me, how many fourth years am I losing each year, and how many players do I need to bring in each year, do you know what I mean? So if you have a good, if you have a bad recruitment year, you're going to suffer in three or four years because those boys aren't. You're not going to have many experience fourth mm-hmm. years because you recruited bad a few years ago. If you catch me, Chris, and what age are they guys? Then your fourth year guys that you may be losing. They what ages are these guys? Um, they, they can be any age. Uh, they can be obviously any age. They come to sometimes. If, their average age will be between uh, twenty-one and twenty-four. So, um, so you're running on, Bill, it's, it's a very, very young squad that he's always going to have to deal with. Well, then. And if you can't get the guys, the experienced guys, then the boys are all 19, 20, 21. Yeah. yeah my, my squad, my average age of my outfield squad is 19 and a half this season. I've got a non-student goalkeeper, Kevin Walker, he's ex-professional, who 
he just he's able to play for us because of his work schedule. So he can do the training times, Ali, where we train in the morning yeah. and in the afternoon. Whereas if you've got a ninety-five job, you can't you can't play for us because you can't train. Mm-hmm. So, like I say, Kev's twenty-six, twenty-seven, coming up twenty-seven. So if you take him out, we're nineteen and a half um, average age. And of course, the other thing, Chris, that that you told us last time you were on is it's not just one league that you have to compete in. No. Aye, that's that's <laughs> that with a heavy heart. Um, aye, well, Sorry, no, have, I hit, a, have I hit a nerve there? <laughs> no, no, it's just I'm 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 trying not to think about it. Now he's trying to try to pick a team for that other league well, in you, the You better think about <laughs> it. Cause it starts soon. Aye, well, we've got some big games coming up before that. We've got the Scottish Cup next Saturday and stuff. And the problem we have with Bucks this season, though, is um, we have a very tough run of games coming up in the next few months where we play a lot of the top teams in the Lowland League um, so for instance we'll play um, East Kilbride then we play we're down in England on the Wednesday say and then we play Bonnie Rig Rose and then we're at home against an English team then we're playing the Shire then we're playing on the Wednesday so it's not like we have a rest where we can kind of go we've got one of the lower half teams we've literally got two solid games per week um, Monday and plus with the travel so I'm trying not to think about it right now. That was why the pause came in, but obviously in a few weeks when it starts, I'm going to start thinking about Chris, it. Chris, before Ali comes back in, is the Bucks League, is that compulsory? Have you got no way out of that? No, that's quite that's quite important to the university because um, it's prestigious. So the university, the way the university sport works is every sport is on a, every sport on a Wednesday that's taking part in Britain each team get points that go towards a table. Oh, right. It's a very prestigious table at the end of the year. Obviously, the bigger uh, Loughborough um, um, universities like that that have loads of sports, they're usually at the top. I think we were 12th this year overall, which is an excellent achievement for Stirling considering the size. And obviously, us being in the British League, which means we play the English teams, we get more points. So it's pretty prestigious for the university. Um, I could obviously play my under-20s team down there and stuff, but the standard's actually really good. Um, a lot of the players play non-league. Uh, we played University of South Wales in the Cup last year, and they had boys. I think they had six boys that played in the Welsh Premier League. Their goalkeeper travelled down from Bala on the Tuesday night after a Welsh Premier League game to play for the university team because he was a, he was a master's student. So it's breaking every Wednesday team, so it's not like you can go... Like, let's have a rest on the Wednesday. You kind of need to still play your strongest 11. So, I mean, the Wednesday game, the whole league game, the guys training in the morning, the afternoon, but have they got time for studies or anything like that, Chris? Or what? Uh, they, well, they have to, uh, yep. they Obviously, when they when we speak to players and they join the programme, yeah. we obviously outline the commitments needed, and it's not for everyone, that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, we're quite flexible with... So I say there, we train on a Tuesday afternoon. If boys have class... They obviously go to class. Some boys will come to training because you can catch up. The Monday mornings, we maybe have boys that go to class at 9 o'clock, so they'll come to training for an hour. And then what they miss, they'll make up at 4 o'clock with under-20s in the afternoon, and then we train a Thursday night. So the boys are still getting three sessions a week, whether it be with the under-20s, because I take the 20s as well, so I do both teams. So they're still making up training, so they're not missing it. Um, And obviously, I'm sure when you play that, two games a week, especially young lads, they love it. They miss Absolutely. a session, they're getting two games, they love it. Um, especially the level it is as well, and with the level of the Lone League. Um, so competitive. Well, don't forget when I played, it was £25 a point, so two games in the one week was. was <laughs> got the messages, Bill, you know? Aye. 25 quid a well, point then. 
We're talking about we're talking earlier, Chris, about the the multi millionaires that are playing for the national team and that one. <laughs> we yeah, were all, we yeah. were all, we were all kicking lumps at each other for twenty five quid, you know. So I mean, that, I that's, the times have changed. But what I'm really really fascinated with as well is the the fact that obviously. The training, the amount of training you do do anyway, you really need to be fit as well. And that could be a tiring thing for guys, Bill, trying to study as well as all the travelling and all the, the games of football they're playing. Chris? Yeah, yeah, these guys, like I say, these guys, it's if they're a bad student, Ali, they'll struggle. Yeah. But if they're a good student and they'll catch up and they, they some of them need a bit of help. But mm-hmm. we've never had anyone that's dropped out because of studying. And I'm in my eighth year at the university now and we've never had anyone drop out because of the commitment to all the to the football and yeah. the studies it's have, just compulsory you, I you, don't put one in front of the other have you had any guys Chris have you had any guys table. coming through if you like so maybe that have been released for clubs who are going to uni you know 18, 19 year olds aye yeah. I, we've had we obviously we I'm sure you and said as well we get, we get lots of boys like that because obviously young lads look at right I want to go to university I'm mm-hmm. struggling with my team Where's the best unit to go for football? And I, I don't. I'm not embarrassed to say it's still the best facilities. unit in Scotland for yep. football um, facilities. We've got a 20 million pound sports centre, brand new sports centre about to be finished next May. I think it is. So it's just going to make it even better. Um, and obviously, we get players apply, and then obviously I, set, I start communication with them there. With this year, for mm-hmm. instance, we've got we signed a boy who got released from St Johnson. We signed a boy who was two years pro with Rafe Rovers, and we signed a boy who was reserves with Falkirk last year, mm-hmm. and they've settled in excellent, do you know what I mean? So for those boys, they're carrying on a full-time kind of environment where they're training a lot, they've got strength and conditioning, and they're also playing at a very good level. Yes, they need to take a, a hit because they're not playing, they're not at the level they wanted to be at, but there's nothing to say they can't get back to that level. Well, that's uh, what I was going to ask. Yeah, unit. that's what I was going to ask, Bill, because we speak about part-time players quite a lot in the programme where... You know, it's, it's, well, Peter Grant actually spoke about it there, Bill, didn't he? Where, where he's, it's no conducive for the guys to go full-time because they've got a decent job. But you see, one of the things, and, and yeah. Peter was right and, and Chris is right, you know, when you look at part-time footballers now, they're not part-time footballers. No. Because although they may train officially two nights a week, all of these guys have got their own diet regimes and they go to the gym mm-hmm. and they do mm-hmm. strength and conditioning, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, on off their own bat. I mean, you, you talk about these guys. You look at them; they've never been fitter. It's not old boys dropping out. Monetary terms, yeah. In, ma- well, in monetary, in monetary terms, a lot of them are not interested in going yeah. full time anymore. Absolutely, I agree with that. And by the way, I would advise anybody to go down that route because you know what it's like Aye. when you finish playing and you've maybe not got another job, you've not got a trade or whatever, Chris. You know, so um, absolutely, absolutely, advise boys to I do that. I was like that, Ali. I never, I never studied at school. Like I said, I was a young lad at Stirling when you were there, and I yep. didn't study. So I had nothing. I had nothing coming out of school. All I had was that football dream. And when I've got very fortunate where I ended up being at Stirling Uni, but there's boys worse off than me who mm-hmm. they focus on that pro dream, and then it doesn't happen for them. And then they obviously they're like, right, what am I going to do? And then that's when you're doing a job you don't really want to do. Um, so there is cases. But he, here's the thing as well, Chris. Could it work the other way? Could guys playing for you, you know, go the other way and maybe get a decent full-time contract and maybe say, well... Oh, definitely. Listen, After our studies... Well, I, well it, would be, it would be the typical t- step back to go forward again, but at least what they'd have oh, then is they'd have a degree that right. they can fall back on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got... Bill's gave us... the Rocksport gave us time, me time on the radio before, and yeah. we obviously... We've got three boys that went senior last year, and the three of them... 
Blair Lyons at Montrose is in the team. He's already played against yep. St Johnston, Ross County, etc. He Rory McEwen uh, has been starting for Elgin. He came off the bench against uh, Dundee the weekend to beat them. He was on the he played ninety minutes against Hibs on BT, and we've got Lewis Hunter who's played for Albion uh, East Fife, sorry, and he was on the bench against Rangers. So that can only help tell the boys coming in. Yeah, I will. Listen, it's great for them boys. They've done the hard work and they've, they deserve it. And obviously for those boys, their their job now is to try and impress even more. And you never mm-hmm. know who could be mm-hmm. looking because just because you're at a part time team. There's a lot of clubs still looking for young talent. And yeah. then, obviously, as you and Bill said, I mean, it's up to them whether they decide to stay working or go full-time. Yeah. Um, and it's a difficult one. Especially, listen, I'm sure you know, Ali, especially some of the money that's going down in the lower leagues in Scotland, there's some decent money. So mm-hmm. why would you go full-time when you've got a 95 yeah, job paying good money, your wife works, yeah. plus you're getting good money? Why would you? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can understand boys going down a level. Um, maybe for more money instead of going full time. Yeah, Chris, see, just looking at these boys that that come out of senior clubs and academies and then look to further their education, but do it in a way where they can still play a good <laughs> level of football. The way things are working just now, with and we seem to hear of, I think at the last time I heard last season, we were looking at somewhere just under six hundred players had been released. Nah. Are you noticing a, a bigger influx? in terms of guys that are looking to university to get degrees, that, that you've got more players to choose from these days and more players that are uh, available to you because they've been let go from academies and they still want to play football at a decent level, but they do want to get an, uh, a degree so that they've got that kind of pathway forward professionally. Um, I, I would mm, probably not, Bill, because a lot of the youngsters... And I'm only going, and my history has been the coach at Stirling. A lot of the young Scottish players aren't proactive and they're applying for uni. Um, and I'm going to be honest, a lot of these kids, we've spoke, I've spoke to you about this before, they chase that pro dream. So yeah. I've had numerous boys come and speak to me and then, uh, and then they'll go and sign for a, a team getting paid X amount of money. And I'm thinking, you had the opportunity here. And I don't grudge anyone chasing that pro dream because I've done it for years. Mm-hmm. But... I, I've seen the other side, and if you go and make a pro career, great, but not really for me. I get We get good boys applying, and then obviously it's down to me to go and watch them and chat to them and try and make it so that when they get released from that club, they want to come to Stirling Uni and play and study, which is a big shock for them having to study. But, nah, there is more and more players obviously getting released, but I... There's been, obviously, I'm not going to name names, but obviously you've got the Scottish PFA exit trial things, and yeah. there was three or four players I spoke to who who were around that trial, and they've went and signed for part-time clubs in the lower league in Scotland. I'd imagine they're probably getting between anything between 50 and £100, not playing, basically maybe playing reserves on a Tuesday night, basically getting the odd game when there's injuries. So if someone's going to tell me that's better for a young player yeah. than yeah. playing... I, not just necessarily Stirling Uni, but any university where you can get a degree and play at a good level, considering the level of the Lowland League this year, I would have to disagree because, but they're chasing that dream, which is fine, but it, there's more to it than just trying to be a professional footballer as Look, Ali said. Yeah, Chris, looking at the Lowland League, you know, you've got Bonnie Rigg Rose come in for the juniors, they're doing extremely well at the minute Ex- Kelty, BSC the Caledonian Braves, if you like to call them that, yeah. or whatever it is, Edu Sport, Spartans <laughs> But, I mean, yeah. how difficult is it this season? Because, you know, we've spoken ah. about this as well on the programme, Bill, where, you know, it used to be maybe two or three teams were in the running for that league. Now, yeah. maybe yeah. you you know yourself, you know better than us, 
There's maybe six or seven uh, teams there that can that can win that league. Yep, it's you're a football man, Ali. You know it's, it's so difficult this year. Um, the biggest change for me, and obviously I've been involved as a player and the coach every year in the yeah. Lone League since it started. The biggest change for me, and this is only my opinions on it, is the teams nearer the bottom of the league in previous years have managed to get good results or the odd result against the bigger teams. So we beat Ke- uh, East Kilbride before. We've drew with Kelty last year. Vale even beat uh, Edinburgh Uni drew with Kelty up at Kelty last year. Mm-hmm. I just going by the way the league looks right now, and I'm going on the facts of the league. It just looks like the smaller teams, us included. The bottom half teams will struggle to get anything against those top teams because yeah. they've brought in such quality. And listen, you've got to be realistic. You say, right, they're better than us, so we just plan to frustrate or or try and do something different. But you've seen by the scores, do you know what I mean, that yeah. it's going to be tough. And, and the, it should be. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely. one of the league too. Um, yeah. So it should be like this. And the reason I'm saying that as well, Bill, is the fact that, you know, East Bride are getting criticised for the start they're having. It's the worst start since they've come into the Lone League. You know, the first seven games or whatever, it's the worst points I've ever had. But when you look at the league table, they're sitting eighth, but they're only two wins uh, away for the top. So, they're, they're no, although they've made a terrible start, it's going to come down to the nitty-gritty, where as usual, like the championship we talk about all the time, any team can take points. Once Bonnyrigg have to go to BSC, once Caledonian Braves uh, have to go to Spartans, these teams are all playing each other. And somebody can sneak up there if they've got a wee run of the lower teams. You know what I mean, Chris? Chris, you're in a, you're in a un, you're in a unique position in a way, and it's not it's not negative, but it's not positive because you're part of Stirling University. Uh, you've got that security there, but at the same time, we're starting to see this gulf in the Lowland League between the haves yep. and the have-nots, uh, yeah, and it yeah, was inevitable because yeah. it's in every other league as well. So why wouldn't it be in the Lowland League? Yeah. But but they, yep, you, you're kind of you're kind of hamstrung a wee bit, if I may be so bold, because. You know, you've only got a set amount of money that's available to you as a budget, whereas these teams can generate more money, they can do more things that yeah. are commercially astute uh, other than yeah. what, what you can do. How big, a, how big a frustration is that for you as a manager? Um, obviously, I'd, in the future, I'd love to test myself and everyone would love to have a good bit of money to be able to go and approach the best players and stuff. But listen, what we do, Bill, as you know, we, we approach good young players and we offer them the facilities we have and the resource we can give them. We've got a full-time physio, for instance, every day. My players can see them every day if they want. Um, We've got a strength and conditioning coach twice a week and they have access to him five days a week as well if they want to see him during the day. So, like, I've signed a boy, I'll I'll name James Berry from Wraith Rovers. James was two years pro at Wraith, trained with the first team every week. Um was on the bench in the playoffs there against, I think it was Queen of the South beat them. And he's came in here because of all the facilities yeah. and because of the level of football. So we can, where these where these other teams in the bottom half of the league maybe can't get players like that, we can. Um, so I'd like to think we can still compete with those teams on our day. Oh, but not obviously, because young lads, as I'm sure I'll say, their consistency's not always there. But on our day, as we've shown in the league so far, and obviously beating Berwick this season as well, on our day, we can beat any of the teams. Um, but, now nah, listen, we're in the middle of it, but we're right in the middle. Um, we don't have the money to go and compete, but I've got a feeling we've got good enough players that we should be OK in terms of near the bottom of the league. Um, so we're right in the middle, and I can accept that, and so can my players. 
It's a wee bit like Queen's Park, isn't it? But when you look at the yeah, facilities they've got yeah. and the, the things that they can do for the players where they're not paying a lot of money competing in a league, it's very difficult. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason why I ended my career there because I didn't want to go junior. I got offered a lot of money to go junior. And it's funny you saying that. You don't, you know, grudge him that goes for the money. Well, sometimes I think you've just got to go where you think, you know, you're, you're going to help younger players come along. You're going to go to a guy that you know is a manager and it's going to benefit you. And that's what yep, I've done as yep, well, Chris. So, yep. no, so a lot of things don't change. There's a big difference, you know, guys. And, and I remember one day I was working for a, a really good radio station just outside London many moons ago. And I got stuck in a traffic jam in the M1 going down to work because I always lived about 40 minutes away from work. It gave me thinking time. Uh, and I was stuck in this traffic jam. And I'd been at this radio station for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I was sat and I just thought, am I happy or am I just settled? Mm-hmm. And I went in and I handed in my resignation that morning because I decided I was settled rather than happy. And yeah. I, again, sometimes the, the 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 hard decision is an easier way out because it gives you more. Uh, and that's what I yeah. think. I think sometimes you need to make those, like you've just said, it might have been better well, money, but it wasn't pe- the right pe- move Chris, for you. Pe- it wouldn't have made you happy. Absolutely. Pe- people say to me, Chris, what did you go to Queen's Park for? When Jerry Collins tried to say me Glen Afton, you know, you didn't Glen Afton, whatever. Aye. And I says, well, when I look at it now, I looked at Alan Troughton, Mark Ferry, um, yeah, Frankie Carroll, we Derek Carkery went yep. to Rangers. I look yep. at uh, Ross Clark. I look at all these player. guys that went on and played. Stephen Riley, guys that moved on and played at a higher level. And yep. I think Stuart Kettlewell, for instance, there's Kets. I forgot about yeah. him. And I'm thinking that's why I went. That was that was the reason why I went to see these young boys going and trying to further their career. And fantastic. And if I've played a wee bit about that, I'm not. If I've played a wee part of that, then great. And I'm sure you're the same. If you can see young guys moving for your uni setup, and yep. even if they get their degrees, Bill says, and they move on to play at a higher level, you've been part of that and you've set them on their way. If it Aye. doesn't work, they've got their, their they've got their degree to fall back on, Bill. Which everyone's Aye, a winner. Listen, yeah. Every every player has a level, Ali. You know yeah. that. Every player has a level, unless there's the odd case where someone's maybe at a team because their mates there or something. But mm-hmm. every player has a level. And my job's to obviously. I've realistically got boys for four years, um, so I've got them on a four-year deal. So my job is just literally to make them better, a better yeah. person, a better football player. Um, and if I can't do that with the facilities we've got and the type of players we're working with, I'm doing something wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the coaches before me done the same. But like Bill said, sometimes it's not always... You know, I mean, sometimes a big change is better, um, like a move to uni or something. And like you said, you just got to go where where's yeah. best for you yeah. um, and that's the issue you're obviously you were a bit older than the players I'm dealing with Th- thanks very much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a lot older you know, I'll tell you that right now aye, well, you know what I mean you, you like, uh, need to give me a horn at the motor earlier on <laughs> you got up the stair there <laughs> <laughs> well I've, like I said to him earlier you were at Stirling when I was just a young lad and that was a man that was I was a, a, ago, so. probably a crab at get then as well Chris you know aye, things so, never um, change there's a few of them but <laughs> listen that's just like that's just the way they, they, you have to make big decisions. Um, I was at, like you, I had a big decision. I was at Broxburn and I signed for Broxburn for another season to make it my third season. Sterling Uni made me an offer. I rocked it back and stayed at Broxburn. But after mm-hmm. two weeks of pre-season, I says, I've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I basically had to buy myself out my contract to play for Sterling Uni. So my first year at Sterling Uni, I was paying my ex-girlfriend back the money I'd bought myself out my contract. And now looking back, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be speaking to you guys right now when yeah. I wouldn't be a manager. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes you do just have to make that big decision, whether it be coming to uni or stopping that pool dream. Um, and that, it's a big decision, but 
like thankfully for us we've got such good players who have done it um, Excellent. And they're getting our results Chris let me ask you a question because you know Ali and I have discussed it and we think the answer is yes uh, mainly because you look at you look at Edinburgh City and Cove I know is not the low, the Lowland League but the Highland League but it, it's still relevant is the pyramid yeah. system working the way it ought to as far as you're concerned um, oh, 65% something like that the only thing I would say is it can't be a proper pyramid my own opinion until there's automatic relegation from League 2 Um because then every other league has relegation. The Lowland League has automatic relegation to the East of Scotland Premier. The East of Scotland Premier has automatic relegation next year to the East of Scotland Division 1. Division 1 will have automatic relegation to Division 2. Premier League will have relegation to the Championship, Championship League 1, etc. Then there's that one league that doesn't have it, so it can't be a proper pyramid until League 2 have automatic relegation to the Lowland League. Um, that's my thoughts on that. Um, need that for. I agree with you. Totally agree with you. Well, I'm, I'm actually, I, I, I wasn't in agreement previously, but I am in agreement no. now. Uh, it's, only, it's only league you don't win, well, it's, don't... It's, it's not just that. It's not just that. I, I've, I've heard everybody make the same argument, which means I've got to be wrong and they've got mm. to be right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so from it's that point. It's a difficult point... one. Yeah. It's a difficult one for the league teams because obviously, as far as I'm led to believe, don't quote me on it, but they would vote on this. The clubs have the power. And they're not going to vote for a Lowland League team to come up. But the problem we're having as Lowland League is we're getting a lot of pressure from the East of Scotland to have, I think it's 39 clubs. And there's only one team or maximum two that can go to the East of Scotland. So they're obviously tell- they're trying to come to the Lowland League saying we need more than one or two relegation spots. But then we're saying, well, we've not got that above us. So until, like I said, there's an automatic from... And I think Cove Rangers this season are proving that the teams are good enough and Kelty Hearts have shown they drew with Solihull uh, Sol Motors a conference team at yeah. the weekend they've already beat Annan this year um, East Kilbride have had some good bet Fred results these teams have proven that on their day and once they're in the league these teams can compete with League 2 clubs um, and if not compete if well Cove have shown that they're better so far this season Bill Having a look at a quick quick one before we go Bill having a look at the league table I know you've only, know you've only played 7 games um, come up against maybe a couple I don't know any of the big ones because I've not got the fixtures in front of you Chris but who do you think will, will hold their nerve and, and win that league this season? <laughs> You'll never get that me Ali um, Come on come on. It's going to be tough it's, it's going to be tough it's the it's going to be a battle between those teams at the top like you explained there. see if they yeah. can keep their players fit it's going to be exciting but if they can't it might be the one that gets a few injuries that struggles but it'll be it'll be good for the league uh, having a title running I think um, I th- I think what I found there. interesting was the Bonnie Rig Rose game they had nearly 700 people at it the other day they're, 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 nah, they're, they're very well supported yeah. we, we, we played them last year in the cup well supported club and they're excellent staff excellent team mm-hmm. um, brought a lot to the league yeah and of course let's not forget the kind of it was on it was off scenario we had with Bonnie Rig getting in yeah yeah no they Absolutely. listen they the um, SFA membership um, criteria is quite tricky. I've been working through it this week and last week and the week before with someone at the club at the uni because we do ours and 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The, the, the SFA criteria? Is that what we're talking about? Aye, so <laughs> we always have a pop at the SFA criteria, Bill. <laughs> aye, well, it's, uh, obviously to be, be a member club, Ali, you obviously yep. need to pass all this stuff. And we're different to Bonnyrigg because we ground share with Stirling Albion. Bonnyrigg have got their own ground and it's a really nice venue. So mm-hmm. I'm glad they got in. They deserved it. They won their league, so they should come in and the SFA showed a bit of, showed a bit of whatever, just night kindness, let them in and they've deserved it. They're up there at the top of the league and... Yep. Um, they brought lots to the league. Really good side. Absolutely. Chris, just looking, just looking now, and the way we were talking about how the league's starting to stretch a bit with the haves and the have-nots, and and various <laughs> other leagues wanting to get in, to teams from various other leagues wanting to get into the Lowland League. Can you see the the, the Lowland League two happening? Um, pro- uh, probably. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Um, it would be good. I think it would be. It would be good, but. Now that you've got three East of Scotland leagues underneath the Lowland League, do you really need a Lowland League too? I don't know. I don't really know enough about it um, or enough about the plans. I think, if anything, I think a lot of the Lowland League East of Scotland clubs, I think they're a bit, they won't change. There's something done up north, Bill, because obviously the Highland League have no relegation. Um, the Highland League clubs who finish near the bottom of the league get in the first round of the Scottish Cup every season, yeah. whereas mm-hmm. Whitehill Welfare, who got relegated from the Lowland League, they now need to play in the preliminary rounds. So basically, they're in a bit of a comfort zone up there, a wee bubble where mm-hmm. nothing ever happens to them. Like, I can get relegated this year, and then I'm in the preliminary rounds playing Auckland and Lake Talbot and Lifty Rose to try and get in the Scottish, whereas mm. Fort William, Lossiemouth, these type of teams, they basically finish bottom of the league every year, and they still get, in that, they get that bumper tie in the first round of the Scottish yeah, Cup, you know true. what I mean, every yeah. year. Um, so there's things like that that need to change first before... I think we worry about Lowland League twos and stuff. Um, in my opinion. All right. Well, yeah. listen, mate. Always good to talk to you. Thank you for Bye. coming on and talking to us tonight. Good luck for the rest of the season. And yeah. I dare say we'll nah, speak to you again in the not too distant future. Thanks, Chris. Good luck, Chris. Nah, thanks, guys. Yeah, we are. Chris Geddes, uh, Stirling University manager, talking to us tonight about uh, Stirling University and various other things. Uh, can I just remind you, we're going to speak to Kieran Maguire, who's our expert on football finances very shortly. The price of football is where Kieran comes from. Um, we're talking about a BBC cost of the game study, uh, which came out today, was published today. I actually did a bit earlier on in Radio Scotland talking about it. Uh, right. They asked me to come on, and, and to their credit, they didn't just say broadcaster, they said uh, host of Talking Football on Rocksport Radio. See? So thank you to the BBC. It was kind. Normally they avoid plugging you like the plague, but they didn't. They were uh, very good and very helpful with it. So I appreciate that greatly. Uh, we're going to talk to Kieran about the particular study, which is fascinating. And it's a study which uh, there's, there's, there's some kind of strange anomalies about. But we'll, uh, we'll talk about them right after this. Have you ever lost money on an investment? If a high street bank persuaded you to buy a stocks and shares ISA, unit trust or investment bond and you lost money, Goodwin Barrett can help you get back thousands of pounds in compensation. Even if you don't have the investment anymore or the paperwork, Goodwin Barrett make it easy to find out. Text GOOD to 6677. That's GOOD to 6677. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint, and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home. Visitors arriving at your guest house. Friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages, so we can turn this into this. 
Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. It's easy to put things off. I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer or you're having trouble with your waterworks, do something about it. See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk for more information. Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out. Leave the winter outside with Plumbase's hottest offers in the Feel the Heat brochure. Get yours at your local Plumbase branch. Plumbase is the place. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio. Okay, our final guest tonight is no stranger to us. Oh, the microphone's fallen the wrong way. Uh, no stranger to us. Uh, good, he doesn't have to wear his tin hat tonight. Kieran, Kieran <laughs> Maguire, how are you from uh, The Price of Football? Always good to talk to you, my friend. I'm, I'm very good. It's always there. I'll, I'll have my two favourite Scottish people I've dealt with in the last week. Hi, Kieran. Hi, Alex. Yep, <laughs> and I saw, uh, I saw the skids last week who were my favourite Scottish fans. So, yeah, I'm... I'm I'm very, very positive about life at present. How can I change that, Ali? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Kieran, a uh, very interesting study out today. They do it annually, BBC Cost of the Game study. I dare say that you have had a look at it. It's uh, thrown up some various... Uh, Interesting talking points. Uh, I, I was actually asked by BBC Radio Scotland to do a piece with them this afternoon about this. And the first point I made is that in a fan's mind, they see um, the overall experience as being their cost at the game. What they buy when they're there, how much it is, and the cost of the ticket, whether it be a season book or whether it be a, a ticket for an individual game. The, now, they've done a, a really good job, the BBC, in breaking all this down. And the first question they asked me was, is it good value for money? Now, you're the financial expert, but here's what I said to them, and i just like your view on it. In terms of a spectator sport and going to watch a football match in Scotland, in whatever league, I think it is good value for money in terms of the cost. Because if you went to a concert at the Hydro, which is just across the road from us here, you would pay a lot more than that as an average ticket price. Uh, to go and see uh, an hour and a half show or a two-hour show or whatever it happens to turn out to be. Um, so I, I think Scotland is reasonably good value for money to sit and watch a football match. Where I think it stops being good value for money is the fan experience, the overall package that you're paying for uh, and that you get in terms of things you have to pay for in the ground, pies, uh, things like the, the, the programmes, things like your teas, your coffees, your soft drinks, things like that, and what happens before the game. Uh, and that's where I think that in terms of a pure spectacle, sitting down watching a sporting event, it's reasonable value for money for me. Once you get down to what it should be and what fans expect from it, that's when it starts to be questioned. Yeah, I've used my dog in the background. Um, 
I, I think I, I agree with you. I think the, the, the issue with football is a bit like many other events, is that you are a captive audience and you have nowhere else to go to make these purchases. So you know, I, I was on a flight recently and they, they charged me two quid for a Mars bar and I was, I was livid, but I was hungry. So, so you don't have a choice. It, it's the same at a football ground. They know you can't go out of the stadium to get your cup of tea. Um, we know that the programmes are half of it's advertising, so that sort of that sort of makes you somewhat begrudging. But there's still some interesting stuff or, or occasionally in, in the programme notes, and uh, it's also a habit. Um, so I think clubs exploit that. Uh, if, if they didn't, where where else would they get their money from? Uh, in order to try to make ends meet, and and in the main, you know, my my observations of, of uh, the Scottish Premier League um, is that it's a it's a pretty well run organisation in terms of a club by club basis. Most of the clubs are breaking even, and, and they're doing that from trying to maximise their income from all of the different sources. So, I agree with you entirely. Match tickets, you know, the prices I've seen on that BBC survey, they seem pretty fair to me. Um, yeah, unless you lose, in which case it's a waste of money. Yeah, a lot of the time, it's, um, spoken like um, a true Brighton fan. <laughs> oh, don't don't get me started on that lot. <laughs> um, and um, then, then it, it, I agree with you. The add-ons. I mean, the, the, the prices I'm seeing for shirts. Yeah, why are why are clubs charging forty-five quid for a kids shirt? Uh, yeah, that is that that that's wrong. Um, and, and that is exploiting children. The, the clubs will argue, well, that's what you'd pay for a, you know, a, a copy of FIFA or something of that nature, um, which that's, just, that's not really comparing like to like because there's many thousands of programming hours go into making for the likes of FIFA, and then, then they have to pay all the clubs and they have to pay, pay for the, the FIFA licenses and so on. So I, th- I think that's a bit harsh to make that comparison, but... Just to see the differences in club shirt prices, I think that's uh, that's an area which, which which just grates with parents. But you will still spend the money because it's your kid and it's your club. Kieran, before I bring Ali in to to make any points he wants to make, let me ask you this as well because this is kind of self perpetuating a little bit. In as much as fans want their clubs to be as competitive as they possibly can, which means that clubs have to invest in a level of player. Mm-hmm. That level of player, depending on where you are and in which league you're in, will still cost you uh, comparatively, you know, more money to be more competitive. That's a given. Therefore, clubs have got an easy out with this and saying, if you want us to be competitive, it's going to cost us money, which means it's going to cost you money. So it is self-perpetuating in a way. We kind of drive it uh, in our own way to be uh, against us as fans. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you entirely. I think, I think as fans, um, we want somebody else to be paying that money into the club. It's, it's a bit like paying tax. We, none of us want to pay any tax but we sort of begrudgingly handed across because, you know, it's useful to the school here and there and, and the odd motorway or policeman uh, pottering around. Um, but when it, when it comes to football, in an ideal set of circumstances, you're not even looking for investors. You're looking for a sugar daddy. So if, if you talk to, you know, I, you know, I live in Manchester, if I talk to Manchester City fans about there's, there's good things and not so good things about their owners, 
they they will not have a bad word said about them and, and uh, be, because they put in a billion pounds now it doesn't matter whether you support celtic rangers or ross county if somebody comes along and says i'm going to put a billion pounds into your football club the first thing a fan is going to think well, that's great i mean that's going to cut the, the cut ticket prices for me it's going to reduce this that and the other for me um, and, and that's what's happened at, uh, at the etihad I mean, it, it's, it is one of the cheapest places to watch football in the Premier League, on on the back of having somebody else effectively subsidise your matchday experience. No, I'm just thinking, Kieran, as well that you know the sugar daddy in Scotland is, of course, Rangers and Celtic. Because when these teams are building in all their facts, all their their, their season books, whatever, how many people are going to get through the door is number one priority. Because Ross County know they're going to get Celtic and Rangers four times a season. St Johnson know they're going to get Celtic Rangers four times a season. Hamilton know it. Hamilton Aki's know it. You know, these teams, I think, um, St Mirren, these teams, I think, build that in before they look at many season tickets have sold because you're not going to tell me Ross County this season haven't, you know, went off oh, Rangers and Celtic have come up. I mean, look at the player that we can maybe attract now, not even looking at their own season books, how many season tickets have sold. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at Ross County, Ross County, they, they had a total income last season of, of four million pounds. Now, a lot of that was dependent upon they, they were, in terms of uh, match day income, which is which is probably about a quarter of that. Of, um, you know, they are reliant, as exactly you say, on on the existence of Rangers and Celtic, and and those fans. A, bringing their own large contingent of away fans, but also the curiosity factor from people living in the home region who say, well, you know, I'd quite like to see us play against uh, you know, clubs, clubs of that, that history, heritage and calibre and things of that nature. Um, so, yes, there's no doubt that those clubs do make a, a large, you know, a, a significant impact on the finances of the smaller clubs. But I think you could say exactly the same in, in every European league. If you go, yeah. if you go to Spain, when, when Barcelona and Real come to town, um, you know, I, I support Brighton, as you know. Uh, I'm, I'm driving down on Saturday. And we're at home to Burnley. Yeah, but there's there's going to be plenty of gaps on the terraces for that. Mm. Um, and it's no disrespect to Burnley, but they're Burnley. Um, and it's the same for Ross County when they're playing Kilmarnock. Or, I think there's know, a wee difference or, with Scottish football and English football, Kieran, because, you know, I mean, I was speaking to somebody, you know, about, you know, where Watford can't score a goal at the minute. And you've got Odson Edward banging in goals for France under 21s. I know this is off the beaten track a wee bit, but hopefully you'll understand where I'm going. You know, there's nothing to stop Watford coming in in January with 35 million quid, because 35 million quid's in the top drawer of the, the chairman's office in English football. So there's a big difference financially, as you know, to English football premiership than, than what this is Scottish premiership. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. But, but if it, the reason why there is a big difference is because. The English Premier League has got Manchester United and Liverpool and Chelsea, yeah. and it's those clubs that drive the TV deals. Yeah, with, with, the, with as much as I love my club, people are not going to spend you know eight billion pounds on the next three years of, of the Premier League TV deal to watch Brighton play Burnley. It mm. is because that, that it is of the big clubs, and, and it's the same up in Scotland. You know, the, the, the TV deal which has been um, negotiated by Neil Doncaster is is on the back of having Rangers and Celtic back in that top division, and therefore you've got two attractive TV propositions every week um, when, when Sky are thinking about which matches to show. So, so that, that there, there's always going to be a big 
big drivers in, in whatever yeah. league. I think the, the frustrating thing for, for Scottish football is that it's simply not getting that international audience yeah. because it's, it's seen as being a, a, a one-city country in terms of the attractiveness of, of the football product to TV audience. Having said that, Kieran, we just had a, a, a press release this week telling us that Scottish football was going to start being shown again in Italy and various other places. Uh, so it does seem that the SPFL are getting their act together in terms, or whoever, they, and I forget who it was they brought in to broker the deals for these things uh, when the original company went into administration. Um, but here's, here's, remember we were talking about the Price Waterhouse review which is literally called the price of football um, uh, and we were talking about that and one of the things that I picked out and this is what I think we need to remember as fans that unlike most other leagues elsewhere certainly in Europe we make more money on match day than most other clubs do as a percentage of our income I don't mean as actual money as a percentage of our income as clubs, we make most of ours in match day, whereas they make it through TV rights and various other merchandising deals uh, in Europe in the top leagues. I think I think that's that's fair, but that is very much driven by uh, Celtic and Rangers. If you look at those match day numbers, Celtic forty three million, Rangers twenty three million, and then it drops down to five, which is you know, third place is Hearts, Aberdeen, Hibs. Yeah, they're all bringing in around about four to five, and then you take another drop further. You can probably halve that for for Motherwell, Partick, Kilmarnock, uh, you know, and, and Ross County, and so on. Well, that's um, interesting. So very much that is interesting. You say that because you've kind of preempted something that Ali and I were talking about earlier on. Because one of the things that the SPFL do, and they draw it like a dagger on occasions, uh, and say, you know, attendances are rising, which they are. No one can dispute that. But because we sit like first or second per capita in the UEFA crowd leagues for attendances, it paints an artificial picture which really, in a way, gives a get-out-of-jail, pass-the-community chest, pick up £200 when you pass go, you know, for the SPFL. It isn't a true reflection of football within Scotland. I, I agree with you entirely. Um, yeah, the, the, the money is distorted by um, the the amount of match day income generated by by Rangers and Celtic. And also that money itself is um, very much based on having the matches sold out every week, which, which the, you know, both clubs are, are excellent at doing. Yeah, they, they manage to get their pricing right and to, to sell every ticket for every match, which, which is an achievement, uh, you know, regardless of, of which side of, of the, the support base you're on. Um, what we're also seeing with both of those clubs is just how important participation in uh, the, your, any form of European football is because the fans are so committed. Um, if you take a look at the, the attendances for champion, some Champions League games um, and also Europa League games for other clubs in countries of a similar size to Scotland, that they're... they're paltry compared to the fact that we, we both know that Rangers and Celtic, they've had uh, sellout crowds for the, the qualifying games and they, they, and they will also sell out for the, the group games as well. And I think there's very few, uh, very few clubs that, that could do that. 
Um, they, they won't do that in England, I can assure you, uh, for clubs in the Europa League. And it's, it's a, I think the, the incredible devotion shown by the, the fan base of both Rangers and Celtic really makes a huge impact upon the, the total revenue generated by Scottish clubs through match day. I mean, the, the, the club that's beneficial to the whole situation, I think, Bill, would be Livingston, for instance, where, you know, Kieran, I think their average gate was about five, four, five hundred when they were in, in, in the lower league, unless they played a Partick Thistle, whatever, or a team that would travel. Now, that's a stadium, but it's a fantastic stadium, the, the Tony Macaroni, the old Almondvale, if you like to call it, but... You know, in the main stand where there's four or five hundred Livingston fans, and you will tell you as well, Celtic Rangers go and they must give them 7,000 tickets. I don't know any other club in the country, even England, that would have an away support, well, 7,000, but their home fill the whole stadium because it holds about 8,500, I'm led yeah, to believe yeah. so. I mean, that's a club that must have really seen their accounts from the Championship. And by the way, fair play to them. We like Gary Holt's a fantastic manager. Martin Dale's there. They're doing really well this season as well, Bill. But they must have went, man, we've had the big time here. Oh, it's like Christmas. Christmas time, because even when Hearts go, Kieran, they're taking 4,000. You know, it's just along the road. Hibs, the exact same. Yep. And, they, you know, to see that stadium full is fantastic for them. So they must be really, you know, rubbing, rubbing their hands. Uh, yeah, I, I think so, but also that, that does filter through to the manager because yeah. if at the start of the season you know you're going to get, get so many visits from Rangers, Celtic, Hart, Tibbs and, and, the, and the, other, the other larger clubs which will, which will take a large sum, you will build that into your budget yeah. and it means that you know, when it does come to recruit players, you know, a, a, you know, the weight, wage levels in, in the championship really vary uh, you know, according to my figures. Um, you know, it, these sort of clubs at that level are probably paying, uh, you know, something sort of between twelve and fifteen hundred quid a week. Well, if you can offer two hundred quid a week more than one of your opponents or one of the clubs close to you, because you are guaranteed those four or five uh, effectively sellout games each season, then that's going to make a difference. Because when a player's got two clubs and he's not certain. One of the issues is always going to be cash. It's not going to be the only issue, but it will, will it influence him when making that final decision. Kieran, just in a straightforward way, reading the report, are Scottish football fans, and I'm talking about across the board, paying through the nose to enjoy the game, or do you think they're getting good value for money? I think they're getting, I think they're getting pretty good value. Um, they, they are seeing some very good players. They're seeing some quite competitive games. Um, if, if, you, if you benchmark against other sports, I, I went to the cricket on Sunday uh, here, in, here in Manchester, and that was 25 quid for the last day, but it was 60 quid for the first day of the match. So um, it, it's not insignificant. Uh, you know, it, I think it's fairly competitive. Um, I've got tickets for the European Championship for next summer, and, and those are obscene. You're paying 200 quid to watch a game of football. It's, it's absolutely nuts. Um, so com compared to other sporting events and also co compared to other forms of entertainment, it, it's not excessive. You go 10-pin bowling, you go to the cinema, and you go anywhere these days, and it, everything is pricey. You know, entertainment, uh, you know, the people that sell entertainment, they realise that um, most people compared to a generation ago, do have more disposable income. 
and, and therefore they price accordingly. And, and all forms of entertainment have increased their prices um, ahead of inflation to, to take account of the fact that compared to 25, 30 years ago, people do have a wee bit more money um, mm. in their pocket um, for social and entertaining events. Right. You knew you weren't going to come on and get away absolutely scot-free. <laughs> so here's the question everybody's asking. And one particular football pundit in Scotland said that Rangers couldn't afford it. Where's the money coming from? Uh, they paid four and a half million for Hollander. They've paid seven million for Ryan Jack. Uh, sorry, Ryan Kent. Uh, Ryan Kent. Uh, and now fans and pundits alike are asking the age-old question, where's the money coming from? Now, I spend half my life explaining that Rangers, having been mortally wounded financially previously, two things happen. They will never, ever want to get in that position again and won't take any risks that put them in that position again. And the second one is that they will be watched like hawks by the powers that be to make sure there are no irregularities in their finances because of the hoo-ha there was before. So you tell us, where's the money coming from? Well, I think the first area it's coming from is uh, UEFA. They have qualified for the uh, the group stages, so there's there's prize money there of yeah realistically a bare minimum. This is if they lose all six matches, they're going to get three three million pounds prize money. Then they're going to get some money from BT because the more money your domestic broadcaster puts into buying the TV rights, the more money you'll take out. So they'll take out another couple of million from that. They'll get money for every draw. They get money for every victory. And that's before you take into consideration that the Ibrox is going to be sold out for, for each of those group games. So, so that's, that's probably worth a minimum of you know, eight, nine million pounds. Um, so that's extra money coming in. In terms of how are they going to afford the players, Football these days is more complicated. When you sign a football player, even £7 million deal, that's going to be spread over three years. So therefore, you're not looking at, uh, at, at a £7 million going out of, the, out of your bank account straight away. You'll probably pay half of it up front, and the rest will be paid in installments so over a couple of years. So Rangers will be saying, well, can we afford to, to pay £3.5 million at the end of August. Well, at the end of August, they knew that they'd qualified for the group stages of the Europa League. So therefore, they, they knew they had the money coming in to fund that particular deal. So I, I think the timing of the deal sort of was, was quite revealing. They waited until mm -hmm. they knew exactly where they stood in terms of Europa, and they used that to, to flex the budget. If, if they hadn't qualified, whether that deal would have gone ahead is, is, a, is a moot point. So I take it that's last year's money, Kieran. No, this will, this will be this year's. This money. year's money, right? Okay, so so. Yeah, so so UEFA will, UEFA UEFA are keen. Just just as um, you know, the the broadcasters they they want to see um, money being spent on players because it, it keeps the TV channels and the radio channels and, and the papers going. So therefore, that that money is distributed as early as possible. So. Uh, if you're guaranteed some of that money, it's UEFA themselves pay the money out in instalments, and, and that first instalment will go fairly early in the season. So every season, then Rangers and Celtic are banking on the Europa League to get about eight, nine million quid in before they're even counting their 
season books and everything else that comes with it. That's right. Yeah. And, and, if, and if you make the Champions League, yeah, yeah that, that eight or nine million pounds becomes a guaranteed 30 million. Yeah. Okay. So it has, has huge implications um, for for you know, the, the transfer budget that's given to the manager. And this is why we are seeing so many big deals being done towards the, the, the end of the window, because it's only then when, when sort of the fog clears as to how much money you've actually got to spend. I just hope, Bill, that, you know, the way Scottish football's gone at a minute, we can keep making the Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm finding it hard to listen to all this because I can just hear the sound of distant sobbing now that we've explained where all the money's coming from for Rangers. So, Karen, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much for coming on, as always. Uh, it's always an education, but a pleasure more than anything else. Thanks very much. Thanks, It's Kieran. great to talk. Thanks very much. Okay, cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Uh, Kieran Maguire there from The Price of Football. Gentlemen, Jack, next time I have him on, I will ask that question because I've only just seen it now and I promise you I will then. Ali, that's it for us. Thanks much. Yep. Uh, we might see you on Friday. Yes. Okay, mate, that's good. Uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow with Jerry McCabe. Chris Doolin will be in the studio with us talking about his testimonial. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio.